0: the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls.
1: I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot.
2: Then with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta. And the Bears win, and I literally shit in my pants, I swear to God, I literally did.
1: <laughs> Eric Kramer for me, I, I love the guy, he's a tragic figure, I mean, he embodies all that is.
2: <laughs> if they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit, I swear to God.
1: Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well, not for a guy of his caliber.
3: You know, they won, but I'm I'm going to be miserable all week because they
4: stunk.
1: I don't. I don't really have any recollection of that at all. But I guess perhaps I blacked it all out.
2: So Dan. Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays, and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong?
5: I love the efficiency of bourbon.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and
2: Aldo. quiet it's all your fault we lost that game
1: it is it is i'll go ahead and jump in and tell the anecdote if you want me to please so i was talking to my guy jay bonds we frequently bitch to each other during the games but we're happy man the bears are up 12 they're up 12 and i gotta say before i even tell you the story i gotta say i don't have a problem with the coaching this week i know i'm in the minority if I'm Coach Iberflus right now, not right now, I'm at Sunday, when they kicked that field goal to go up 12, the defense couldn't have been tired. We had 40 minutes of possession, time of possession. The defense had played well all day. The only touchdown they had given up was on the short field because of Tyler Scott's fumble, who later would drop a pass, thinks or or misplay a what should have been the game-winning fucking pass. But okay, anyway, point being, if I'm Iberflus, I take the 12-point lead and say our defense is going to stop them too. And I, I can't hide from that because uh just because it's it's trendy now to say you want him fired and fuck him and fuck you know, uh the offensive corner, all this stuff, Luke Getsey. I agreed with him. I thought the defense was gonna stop them too. I mean, the defense looked good all day. We had four turnovers, should have had five, had a pick six drop by Jalen Johnson. I thought we were gonna stop them too, even when they got that touchdown. I was like Well, that sucks, but okay, we still going to win this game. I was telling Ron that. I was like, I feel like we're going to win this game. I said it last week. I feel like we're going to win this game. So I'm not blaming the coaching. But to get to the story, David Montgomery, who I used to love, just pissed me off so much when he was just like, oh, I love Chicago because they're always losing, and I'm so tired of losing. So I told Jay right before the Lions' drive started, I think the first play of the drive, they ran into Montgomery for nothing. And I was like, you know what, Jay? He can go whining and bitching about losing again because they're going to lose today. Fuck him.
4: Ooh,
1: <laughs> I put my foot, I put everything in my mouth. But I will also acknowledge the other Dan Shorty. From pro- uh, Bears Country Productions. He promised he would wear an old Rashawn Salam jersey because on the day the Bears beat Carolina, he wore that Salaam jersey and I wore an orange Rex jersey so he said, if those two jerseys somehow were going to give us the power like He Man and we were going to, you know, beat Detroit, he's like, you have to wear your Rex jersey. I have to wear my salam. Well, I wore my Rex jersey. He forgot his salam jersey and didn't wear it. So we lost. Thank you, Mr. Mayhem. Fuck David Montgomery.
2: <laughs> Don Burr is here. Do you have a message? For yeah, Don? I do have
1: something for Don Burr because last week, like during Dan's show, I was on there and Don Burr was like, you're fucking Craig called me an idiot or something saying that, like, the Bears are going to get blown out. And yeah, you got your win. But man, guess what? Oh, I'm here to make excuses. Hey, Don Burke, fuck you, buddy. You are the one, your team's the one who got a break there and got lucky to win. You guaranteed a blowout victory and everything. And you're a fan. Fuck you and fuck the Lions.
2: <laughs> Julian Parker asked the question So why did we lose if not for the coaching?
1: The players, man, the players. The players have to make plays, and look, we all—it's all easy for us to blame Iberflus because it hasn't been going well for a year and a half. I get it, but if you're a Bears fan, that we all seem to love defense, right? I'm sure you're going to touch on Martellus Bennett talking about the past, and so that's what we all stand up for—the the 85 Bears and defense and defense and deep. Okay, well, the defense have been playing well. The defense have been playing well all day. You had to think. They would come through. You had all those turnovers. Sweat got his first sack. It it looked good. I don't know. I can't define what happened, but I think it's on the players in that last drive, or the last two drives, or maybe yeah. you just say Detroit won. Detroit, like golf, and them just they beat us. I mean, it's not like. I mean, there were some calls, and when again, like the Lewis Lucas Patrick got hit. That was a dirty. That was a dirty hit. That should have been blind side. You know. Illegal block in the back. I mean, that that was a dirty hit. There's some things like that, but the Lions, those last two drives, they they deserve to win. They went down the field. I still think the defense should have stopped them, but they didn't.
2: Mm-hmm. Don writes Detroit uh, next took sorry bomb seriously. Uh, hey Dan, we kicked your ass, man. Stop crying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, losses. you're you're the one who's delusional, Don. <laughs> You still have only won one playoff game since fucking Kennedy was shot. And by the way, that's 60 years ago tomorrow. So until you do something else, how about win a Super Bowl? How about win a playoff game? How about win the NFC North? You still haven't done that ever before either.
2: (laughs) That's right. It was the NFC Central last time. Last time they won in
1: 93 with Eric Kramer, who said, fuck this team. I'm going to Chicago.
2: (laughs) Well, I do. I, I do think this was, you know, how they talk about complimentary football when you win. This was complimentary football when you lose. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, the decision making—we can quibble with some of the play calls and, and, and some of the decisions made—but I think that the biggest fault for Matt Iberflus uh, was his lack of leadership. And I'll give you an example. After the game, I saw Dan Campbell's press conference, and he—he he and was I like asked,
1: Dan Campbell. Let me say yeah, that. I want to—I want to tell Don I like Dan, but go ahead.
2: He started to grow on me too. Uh, so he was asked, you know. There was a lot of strain on the defense, you know, uh, how how, you know, what happened there and he says, "Well, I went over there and talked to the guys." And I said, "This is what we live for. This is what we live for. This opportunity to come back, stop them a couple of times. The office is going to do their job. You guys have to do your job." That's he gave them a pep talk. Iberflus, he was trying to figure out who he could sell insurance to on the sideline. I mean, that's the <laughs> vibe that he gives and he just doesn't have that leadership capability for an entire team uh, and it was just so disappointing and the, those post-game conferences I, I posted the opening statements to uh, their press conferences and everybody there were over a hundred uh, 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 comments on X about it and everybody was saying what a difference in terms of energy in terms of what was said and so forth. Iberflus has lost this team. I'm not sure he ever had them. And you gotta give credit for the guys on this team who have kept fighting. But there is no doubt that their fight. Only goes up to a certain point, and when that when they face adversity and they look to the sideline and they see Matt Iberfluss and they don't see a Dan Campbell, they don't see a Cal Shanahan, they don't see any of the successful coaches in the NFL. I think that's one of the big reasons this team is devoid of loss of, of victories and is a ver- verifiable uh, uh, loss in fourth quarter of, of close games. I mean, well, it, it's really bad.
1: I just want to point out in week four, when we blew that lead to Denver, mm-hmm. everybody at the time in the city, because again, I was at the airport forever. It seemed that day, uh, it, everyone was like, why didn't they kick the field goal? Why didn't they kick the field goal? Well, we did kick the field goal against Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of times, I'm not saying your point was wrong. I'm not trying to be, uh, dismissive of your point, but I feel like I personally have to be fair to Eberfluss. Cause I was one of the guys saying, kick the field goal against Denver. Don't try to be overly aggressive when you don't need to be. And you know what? He took the two field goals, which is what I wanted him to do against the Broncos. So I can't be hypocritical and now say, well, you should have gone for it. Mm -hmm. It's just like a lot of people just criticize him just because they're going to, regardless of what movie makes Mm -hmm. is all I'm saying. Again, I don't like him overall either. I agree with you, Dan Campbell, everything you said about Dan Campbell is on fucking point. Mm-hmm. It's like you, again, he's their didga. Right. The, right. I agree. We need something yeah. like that. But to be fair to Coach Iberflus, they did, the coaches did enough to win here, I think. They had us in position to win. The, the, the defense fell apart. I, I agree. In
2: terms of the in game decisions, there wasn't any major thing that they did while well, we lost the game because they decided to run the ball instead of throw it. I agree with
1: session. you. 40 yeah. minutes.
2: I agree with you. The game plan was solid. Uh, the the coaching was solid for the most part. I just feel like this team is not winning now because they look at Iberflus and they see an insurance salesman and they don't. So what was the thing that... Somebody said a Disney called uh, Iberflus a Disney dad. Some caller to one of the radio talk shows called him a Disney dad. And that's sort of what he looks like. He looks like a, a dad at Disney telling the kids, all right, you can't go on that, right? You're too short. <laughs> so-
1: yeah, I, I can see that. I I do. I just feel like in this instance, I don't bl- everyone wants to blame him or Fields. One or the other. And I don't think Justin should be blamed for this loss, and I don't think that the coaches deserve to either. If you told me they lost to Minnesota and into the bye, they fired either Ibraflus or Getsy the way Pittsburgh fired their O.C. I saw you had a poll on that. Mm-hmm. If you told me they made a change going into the bye, I wouldn't complain. I right. just meant for Detroit, for Detroit, that was like the best the team has looked all year, Yeah, I think, Indeed. from top to bottom, man. They are running the ball. I mean – If you want to call out a goat, maybe you single out Tyler Scott for fumbling Mm -hmm. and giving them seven and then not catching the pass that would have put Detroit away on third and nine. Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect throw. He just stopped running, man. I,
2: I agree with you that this loss is more on the players. I I think it's a team loss. Coaches have to assume some responsibility. But there were a lot of execution mistakes. I collected just a handful of plays for us to look at and comment sure. on. The very first one was that missed touchdown pass to D.J. Moore. The Bears came out in that first series and, and played tremendous. The play calling, the execution by fields, the offensive line, everybody was – looked great. And I'm thinking to myself, we might fucking blow this team out that first drive. And we had a chance to take a 14 to nothing lead, but Fields overthrows DJ Moore wide open. He just, and as soon as he released that ball, Dan, I said to myself, he overthrew it. It was too much of a line drive. What what were your thought when you saw this play?
1: Honestly, I was uh, Mr. Optimism at this point. Uh, I was like, okay, we took a shot. All right, well, he'll, he'll hit the next one. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And he did, right? He hit uh, DJ later.
2: Yeah, he did. He, he did indeed. The same play, and he hit him perfectly. I
1: just I said, just... ooh. And I was like, oh, he almost had it. I, yeah. I was so optimistic at this point.
2: I, I just was so frustrated. I'm like, this is a time, this is an opportunity to go up 14 to nothing on a team on the road, and he misses this play. Now, again, uh, for the most part, I thought Justin played an excellent, excellent football game. But this was a blemish in his day. Now, this next one is of course one that we've all been talking about. Jalen Nohans Johnson. Yeah. Unbelievable. He says it it didn't hit me in the hands. It, it hit me in one hand, and perhaps I took a bad angle to the ball.
1: Oh man, if he if he takes that to the house, he's probably signing an extension on Monday.
2: Yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, again, another opportunity early in the game to get up to 14 to nothing. Now, I read that quote uh, after I put this highlight together. I want to see if it hits him on both hands. Oh, come on. looks like it hits the left hand, too. What do you think? Look at it again. Yeah, come on. He's got both thumbs pointing to each other. It hits the right hand more, but it hit the left hand, too.
1: You know, honestly, though, I know that's something you can – obviously remember and think oh that should have been seven or six I guess but I mean he was getting burned in coverage too at the end of the game so it's just like he had a really bad game and I think he's better than what he showed on on Sunday but for a guy that's wanting to get paid he really did not play well Sunday I agree, man. And this can I it, can I make one more separate point, please? I'm sorry please. to interrupt you. I'm afraid I'm going to lose this before the broadcast. I I've been waiting since Sunday to see this to throw this at you. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if there's a tangible stat for this. I don't know that the two point conversion got brought into the NFL in 1994. Mm-hmm. From whiny until now, no one gives up more two two point conversions than the fucking Chicago Bears. At oh, the really? end of that game, the Lions are up one after their touchdown. I'm like, all right, guys, stop them here. Field goal wins it. Every time another team goes for two against us, there's somebody wide open. Every time we relent and give up the fucking two-point conversion without any effort, all the time, I bet you the teams have scored 90-plus percent in the last 30 years against us on two-point conversions. doesn't matter who the coach is. We always just fucking let them score like it's not even a problem. Like There's somebody wide open every time they go for two. It's maddening. It is maddening. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's a stat on that i guarantee the bears are the worst against the two-point conversion i guarantee, guarantee it
2: i'll try to find something all right back to these clips uh the next one is the conservative approach and i don't really put a, a big uh, a, a, a lot of blame on this but here it's it's 23 to oh is this
1: roshan's run was the yeah. 37 okay yeah
2: Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think they should have called the pass play here? Uh, You know, like when I looked at it just before the show, the the receivers on Justin's fields are are setting up a wide receiver screen. I almost think that should have been a fake handoff and and throw it to one of those two receivers. Um, Instead, they're running into that stout defensive line. By that point, the rushing attack wasn't. Wasn't that strong. I mean, all day long, the running backs weren't doing particularly well other than Justin Fields, who's not a running back. He's a quarterback. But this was a little disappointing. I I wish they would have tried a pass to pick up the first
1: down. I got to be honest with you. I didn't have a problem with it because I thought there's two reasons. A, maybe they, they're expecting pass. Maybe we surprise them, kind of a Walter Payton sort of call. We'd run Walter on third and long. I mean, I know Roshan's not Walter, but that was a play that Ditka called all the time in Walter's early days, you know, third and long. Well, we'll still give it to 34. But maybe mm-hmm. you catch them sleeping, or worst case scenario, you line up the field goal for Santos where exactly where he wants it, and you get three, you get three more. Because again, maybe it's ignorance, maybe it's arrogance. I really thought the defense had turned the corner. And I was like, going up 12? Now, even if they give them a touchdown, it's still, you know, we're still ahead. It's, you know, I mean, maybe 12 and 9 isn't that big of a difference. Maybe I should have thought of that. But at the time, I thought, okay, it's all right. The defense is going to hold. We're going to be okay. I I thought it was a good play at the time. I did. Yeah,
2: I'm with you. At the time, I thought it was a good play. and, And I'm just saying from hindsight, which is not fair, of course, to the coaching staff, but i I like to be somewhat aggressive on those plays now. If the pass would have been incomplete or they failed to pick up the first down, I say se- I would have sent out the the kicking team too. I just would have liked to have seen a pass there. but I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to milk the clock as much as possible and uh, uh, uh and, and expand the lead so if, I if i'm
1: if I'm playing Eberflus right now, I don't want to play psychologist, but I'm just gonna play, and again, I'm not his biggest fan. Please let me say, I'm not trying to be an apologist here, but maybe he's thinking, let's not put Justin in a position to lose this game, Aldo. Let's mm-hmm. not. Okay, it's his first game back. Let's build some momentum. He's done well so far. Mm-hmm. Don't give him a a fucking. Let's be safe here, just for this one play, and let's not put him in harm's way because we. If he throws a pick here, all the momentum we've built could be could dissipate. Let's mm-hmm. keep his head up. Let's—he's played well. Let's get this point, these three points. Let's—and the defense will win the game for us. And we've got an ascending quarterback. I think sometimes you have to protect your—you you, know—keep his head up, you know. And he's played well. Let's get a win for him. So maybe I—maybe I'm talking on my ass here, but I think that that's what the coaches are doing—they're protecting him there.
2: Well, if if that's what they were doing, then they were a little overly protective. I mean, you know, we just saw who was it that just said that. Um uh, Zach, no, it wasn't Zach, it was uh, Larry T. Larry T said, Patrick Manley said Justin Fields was beating the defensive end all day long on the run, should have put it in his hands to let JF1 determine the game. The thing is, is that there was that play on third down and one, and Justin made the decision to hand the ball off to Khalil Herbert. This that was on the on the last the series before, I I believe, and... um, He
1: said he made the right read on that.
2: And and he did, technically, you know? So that's the tough part, is he he did as he was coached to do. The linebacker stays in his position and doesn't go for the ball carrier, then you got to give the ball to the ball carrier. The problem was, and I saw this play like three or four times, is the left part of the line... Uh, left tackle uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Braxton Jones went out to the second level immediately, and the center and the left guard did not hold their blocks. They let pressure get in, and and Herbert was tackled for no gain. So
1: we need to get that uh, that voice of Braxton, like for uh, you know, save where he's like, I couldn't fucking see. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah, we can utilize that for time there's a problem with Braxton.
2: <laughs> he apparently he was feeling a little bit dizzy and and he kind of went to a, to a knee and then he said that I instantly felt better and I told the, the officials that that but they wanted me to go go off the field and have a neurologist check him out. So I'm not quite sure what he meant by the I can't fucking see thing, but that's that was his excuse for what went on there.
1: He apologized uh, too, apparently. Yeah, he
2: did. So there's that stupid insurance salesman guy. All right. So here's the next one. It's the Terrell Scott. Uh, is it Terrell or Ter- Yeah, it's Terrell, right? Yeah. Terrell I think Scott, it's Terrell. the rookie wide receiver. So this is um Justin.
1: No, Defer- no no. It's uh it's not Terrell Scott. Uh Terrell's on defense. It's uh we just said his name. Uh, now why am I blanking? Shit. <laughs> Uh, Help me out, chat room. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, Tyler, thank you, Toreen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Tyler Scott.
1: Um, Don't forget that, his fumble earlier in the game now.
2: Yeah, that's another one. I should have included it on, on, on this highlight package. But on this play, DJ Moore is the main read. But the safety came down, leaving Scott one-on-one on this defender. And Justin, again, people were yelling at Justin, you should have thrown it throwing it to DJ, your most reliable, but he's double covered. He did the right thing, and he did it perfectly. I mean, this pass is perfectly thrown, and as we will see in the isolated look, Scott, for some reason, I thought it was because he lost the ball momentarily. He slowed down, but he just said that he, he just kind of was trying to adjust to the ball. Well, he adjusted poorly. Watch right about here. I see how he slowed down just a bit. Yeah, yeah, that step cost him. Oh, gosh, that hurts so bad because oh that was God, the, that yeah. was the killer right there. And and Justin knows it. I, I love when Justin said in the press conference, you know, to be honest with you, we should have won that game. Yeah, really.
1: I wonder and, if he's thinking again. We're I'm doing a lot of psychological analysis here, but when you, you showed that with him, his hands on his helmet, is he mm-hmm. thinking? Is that original cores you're drinking? No, this is a, uh, oh.
2: just pick this up, uh, Sam Adams at Golden Pilsner. It's got a great taste.
1: Uh, I love original cores. It reminded me of that camp. But anyway, I bet that's good too. But I wonder if Justin's thinking, oh no, the defense is about to blow this. <laughs> it's inevitable. I wonder if he thinks that it's inevitable. I felt
2: so bad for him because he needs that victory more than anyone else on that team. For his and... whole
1: future, man.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was just – and Jaquan Brisker apparently went up to him and said, hey, we lost the defense. We lost that uh, game, Uh, and he apologized to Justin. So props to Jaquan. Well,
1: yeah, that's great, man, but he might be with the fucking Raiders or somewhere next year if we keep losing these games. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, his whole livelihood – because if you're the Bears, I mean, and you keep losing, how can you justify passing on the number one pick on a quarterback two years in a row?
2: Mm Mm-hmm,
1: Yep. Very true. And it's not fair to Justin to keep saying it's his fault that they're losing every game. But if you're telling me his record is like 6-30 and 30 at the end of the year, I mean, it's hard to justify not drafting one of those other quarterbacks.
2: Well, yeah, and that's one of the things I want to talk about a little bit later. Let's get through these next two
1: clips.
2: Sure, this is, uh, as you rightly said, this was on the players. And one of the players that deserves huge part of the blame is – uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who misses this tackle.
1: Oh, yes, I remember this.
2: Uh On Jameer Gibbs. Now, it's second down and four, so this isn't a game-winning play, but it's a huge play. You tackle him right there. He's got to go down. But, no, he misses Gibbs, and Gibbs gets out of bounds, saving them a timeout and gives them a fresh set of downs. Yes. This is just linebacker malpractice. Here it is, another look at it.
1: 70 million guaranteed, or something like that, for him, too. Yep.
2: I mean, this is an arm tackle. You gotta wrap him up. It's almost like he purposely missed. And I hate saying that, but it, it felt that way. To and look how big
1: him. he is and how small Gibbs is in comparison. I mean, you, like you said, you have to fucking make that tackle. Mm-hmm. I thought now at that moment, I was like, man, Sanborn doesn't miss that tackle. That's what I thought that exact yeah. second.
2: I know, our darling. But I
1: know they rotated a little bit during the game. I saw Sanborn in the middle. At least I think I did. They did, Uh, yeah. um, Yeah, so, man. But I was glad to see Edmonds back, and he got the pick. But, yeah, that is a terrible tackle. You're so correct.
2: Well, and and another, you know, little blemish, I think, on the coaching staff is on that touchdown, the game-winning touchdown for the Lions, Dylan Cole, the backup linebacker, was out there. And Iberflus was asked, why was Cole out there and not – T.J. Edwards, and he goes, hey, it was part of the rotation. It's like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Fuck the rotation. Get your best players out there in the red zone. I don't give a fuck what's what? going on. Part yeah, of the That rotation. was
1: similar. You're right, but it's similar with Sweat on the last drive. He was out yeah. most of this last drive. Yep. If you're giving the dude $100 million, yep, he's got to be in
2: there in the crunch. Yeah, get the rotation right so that you make sure those players are fresh for game time, for crunch time.
1: Not- it's almost like baseball. Like You know when you go to your closer, right? Mm-hmm. Your closer is your, your crunch guy. These are the guys that have to be there at the end to close out the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't take them out right there. Like you said at the goal, end, that's terrible.
2: No, and I got to tell Don Burr this. I was a huge, huge fan of Jam- uh, Jameer Gibbs coming out of Alabama. When all my fucking mock drafts. He was always available in round two, and that was the guy I was going for now when the bear when the lions picked them with what the 12th pick in the first round i was shocked i was like wow that's high for them but it's it's part of the visionary plan that Holmes has as GM. He did a great job there, g- signing David Montgomery and then drafting Gibbs. Everybody was giving them shit. Oh, you signed this guy Montgomery for eighteen million dollars, and then you're gonna draft the running back. He knew what he was doing. He wanted thunder and lightning. He, he wanted that the, that dual back that is helping them win games so so much. And Gibbs is a is a super player. All right, I think this is the last one, and this is the play immediately after that missed tackle to Jameer Gibbs. And you know what this is. This is the Eddie Jackson play.
1: Oh my god.
2: Uh I don't know how ahead.
1: we can justify playing him now. Is it just because of the contract?
2: Uh, um, I I guess. I mean, who do you put in there now? Because there have been some injuries. You you put in Elijah Hicks if he's healthy.
1: Yeah, Hicks can't be any worse, or maybe you just move. One of your corners, like uh, one of the corners to safety and just put, I don't know who else. Maybe you could put Gordon on the outside and put Stevenson to safety. Fuck. I don't know, man. Like, I don't care who it is.
2: J2K, help us out here. Who who would you put in? All right. So here's the play. uh, And Lance Briggs is going to talk about this in the media mashup. There's just no fucking reason why you're, uh, big paid safety is allowing anybody behind them, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, look at that. How do you let this guy behind you? And then when you'll see the replay, how uh, Jalen Johnson looks at Eddie Jackson. He looks at him. Oh, I saw disgust. him. He's like, "That's
3: well, your fucking man." Right here. These are your yep. guys. Oops. And Alman Ross, St. Brown. He just creates so much attention. You see, right there,
6: Johnson.
2: Unbelievable. Look at this, uh, Jalen. Look at him. You fucking asshole. I mean, Eddie
1: hasn't made a play since he got, since he signed his contract extension. I mean, mm -hmm. the dude has sucked now for four or five seasons. Like, he's got to go. I wouldn't play him one more fucking down this season. He can't tackle. He can't cover. He doesn't get interceptions anymore. What does he do? Maybe put him returning kicks again. Maybe he'll get hurt. Mm. Remember, he used Uh, to love to return kicks.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I I would I would have him I would treat him like a rookie pick up my shit motherfucker and, and wash it or whatever Bojack is good as gone after the season they'll be drafting a replacement in the second round I'm calling that now yeah they got to get a second round draft pick which I'm sure they will Nick. Uh, producer over at Nomad Live. Um, but I agree with you. This There's no way, and this again is going to be mentioned, I think, by Yurko in the media mashup. There's no way Eddie Jackson comes back next season. That's Fuck next for season. Ever.
1: What about the accountability? What about the hit system? Some mm-hmm. accountability here, then put his ass on the bench, man. If they put, they made a, an example out of white hair, finally, right? Even yep. when Lucas Patrick got hurt, they brought the mullet in. Okay, great. He's mm-hmm. finally being held accountable for his lack of fucking ability to to snap or block. Okay, mm-hmm. well Eddie's got to go to the bench too, has to. You got six games left. He should be on the bench also. I wouldn't even have him active. Fuck it. He's like the one of the the two or three guys who's not active.
2: Mm. Ma'am, did you mean has been garbage or hasn't been garbage? Because um, yeah, he had he's had spells where he's played well. I mean, I last don't remember season, that. Last season, before he got injured, he was having a pretty decent season. He was actually he even made some uh, some nice tackles. But, yeah, he's not worth the money. 2018 after that, he just wasn't the same player. Uh, Larry T. says Eddie is overpaid. So is Whitehair. Most likely both of those guys are gone. I don't think it's absolutely. most likely Larry. They are absolutely gone. There is no way they are back. Uh, Dan, one of the things that went through my mind uh, after the loss and for hours afterwards, I was kind of in a numb like state, but you you came to mind, you know, because one of the things you tell me and you text me and you said on the show before, you know, why us? Why does this shit have to happen to us all the time?
7: Yeah, yeah. And I,
2: I try to, you know, I don't want to think that way and so forth, but that's exactly what I was doing after this Lions game. I
8: was doing a safety. Why us? Else? Why us? Else?
1: Why else? I ask you. Why us? Have you come up
2: with an answer yet?
1: <laughs> no. Again, like I said, the only thing I could think of is it's just the, the defense. But then uh, I was talking to my friend Justin, and he was like uh, – well is it did they switch the scheme the last two drives that they'd been playing earlier in the day and I'm not smart enough to tell you what they were running at that exact minute versus what they were playing earlier because I don't watch the game from a perspective of I'm coaching I watch it from an inter, uh, from entertainment perspective I'm not wow. trying to study uh the right. fucking the 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 game I'm reacting because I'm yeah. I, I love it so to answer your question why I, I don't know I still think it's the defense though I still. I still blame the defense. I bought into them and thought they were back and and ready to go now, and they proved me. You, you can't ever count on the Bears defense after Otis Wilson and, and uh, Wilbur Marshall left. They always break your heart after that.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know what was interesting is you know I did I read a few articles after the game, and uh, unlike Don Burr, who won't give the Bears any credit for anything. You know, there was a lot of credit from Lions players. Even David Montgomery said that's a good team. I don't team. care
1: what he has to say. <laughs> if there's but, a hell, I hope he burns in it.
2: <laughs> but you can't blame him for wanting to leave a team that he was He and Roquan with.
1: Smith can go fight each other to the death <laughs> in a cage, and I hope they both just bleed out instead.
2: See, I don't have a problem with them, you know, Wanting to play elsewhere, so I, you know, I don't like it when they go into the division. I don't like it when they talk and shit. talking I, shit too. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I didn't like that. But the Roquan
1: uh, mainly. Oh, I saved my career to get out of there. Yeah. Well, TJ I mean, Edwards is playing better than Roquan anyway. Yeah. TJ Edwards leads the fucking league in tackles. Yeah. Well, Roquan his also is his That asshole. was a
2: mistake. Oh, I remember. You know that regarding that Scott uh, drop. See, when we talk about polls, and I know Chubbs. I Save something that Chubbs wrote about. Okay, let's see what he says. Chubbs, Orion Post is just as responsible. I mean, he has said some outright lies to the media. He has failed on many occasions. His picks have turned into nothing. He's passed up good players. All right. There's a lot there, and I could quibble with you, debate you on some of this stuff, but I, I, I think it's way too early to put a verdict down on Ryan Post. I'm glad he's going to be, and he is going to be back as the GM next season. There's no doubt in my mind. He set a plan, disrupt, tear down the entire roster, start building it again in 2023. And so he's really just one year into the roster replenishment. Let's remember that when he took over this team, he didn't have a salary cap to work with. He did not have a first round draft pick. He was digging this team out of a fucking ditch. And so I, you got to give him some slack. Now, has he made some bad moves? Yes. That, that play to Tyler Scott, that should not have been a rookie running underneath that ball. That should have been chase Claypool. That's what he was hoping he would have is that big, tall, wide receiver who would make plays like that. But unfortunately, he didn't know. I didn't know because I was for the trade. And a lot of people didn't know that Chase Claypool is a pussy. And he probably
1: thought it would be Valus if not Chase.
2: Yes, exactly, which was a bad move. I mean, talk about overdrafting. Valus was a fifth, sixth rounder at best. So all GMs make mistakes. Don Burr, if you gave him a, a truth serum, he would tell you that Holmes has made mistakes as the GM of that team. He's made a couple of second-round busts or guys that have yet to deliver. Jason Williams, even though he caught that touchdown against the Bears, that was the first significant play he's done for the Lions. So, you know, you can't expect this automatic turnaround. But he has made mistakes. The, the biggest mistake he made was agreeing to hire Ryan or Matt Eberflues as the head coach. I think we could all agree on that. This guy was not ready. And then he brings in, uh, two coordinators who were not ready for their jobs.
1: Especially uh, Alan Williams, especially keep, Alan Williams. keep your dick you were to right. yourself, bro.
2: You were right. I, I argued with you on that. I was like, give him time, give him time. But you were right. He's out there playing with his penis or whatever the hell he was doing. They got him fired because that's what happened. He got fired. Um, anyway, um, what was I
1: was going to say. I didn't oh. mind the getsy hire at the time because it felt like they were going to emulate the system that had worked so long in Green Bay. Not that I want to be like Green Bay, but it just felt like it was a competent system and you had an up and coming uh, assistant there to implement it. It, ha- it hasn't worked out. But mm-hmm. again, hindsight's 2020 is to use the cliche. Mm-hmm. So I thought in 2021, when the hire getsy I didn't have a problem with it. And I didn't really want Eberflus, but again, I got on board when he became the coach. If you're the coach, I'm rooting for you.
2: You know, the the thing is, the the problem with Getzey is that he was the quarterback coach for Aaron Rodgers. we that's that's not a good resume to to bring in. That's as true
1: because he doesn't really need a quarterback coach.
2: Right, and... and they I say to...
1: the same thing. I don't mean to talk over... I apologize, Al. I'm so sorry. Right. I just I, I want to shut up. I'll make one point. I will shut up. The, that's the thing I feel that Gabriel loves, the guy that was with us. Uh, help me out. The guy that was with here when Rex was here, and then Cutler... Pat Hamilton. Yeah, I think Pat Hamilton is exactly the same guy. It's like, he's not some guru. He's a guy that, like, the, is the quarterback coach. Well, like you said, Rogers doesn't fucking need Luke Getze. He's going to be great with that. I think... Luke Getzey is Pat Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I think.
2: I don't know. I I I I'd have to give that some thought. I do know that, you know, and this is something Coach T on the Barroom Network has talked about, and on his own YouTube channel has talked about at length. Is you can't bring in a guy who's never coached an athletic quarterback like Justin Fields and expect. That and expect to change that quarterback and try to make him into Aaron Rodgers. He's not an Aaron Rodgers quarterback. He's a 21st century quarterback who utilizes his legs to make big plays and has a strong arm that you have to use. And these, you know, short timing throws from the pocket that's not really him. He's He's not a debt that. He really didn't do that at Ohio State. We were told coming out of Ohio State, he's a pocket passer. He's a pocket passer. Well, it's easy to be a fucking pocket passer in college when you got five seconds to throw. That's not the NFL. So I, I think there were just some poor decisions there. And then when you allow Eberflus to bring in a first-time defensive coordinator, although I think that was actually a second defensive coordinator job, but the first one was only a year long. And a, and a first-time offensive coordinator, what are you doing? Where, where's the experience? Where, where, You know, where's the I
1: agree. I so agree.
2: leadership? It's it's
1: stupid, man. It's like one. usually when you get a, a fresh coach like that, they hire somebody like uh, Wade Phillips or somebody as a defensive coordinator that's like a, a mentor or a guy that's been around the league forever. But you got new faces and new places all across the board, including GM, including president. So, yeah, I agree. Like if they make a change, it, it needs to be with people. Like that's the thing with Detroit. Mm -hmm. Everybody there, as we've heard on their staff, were players. So you got Mm -hmm. experience, and they can look up to these guys versus all these novices that we hired.
2: Yep, I agree. Don Berg goes on, okay, here's the guys that uh, Holmes has drafted. Yeah, these are all good guys. That's going to happen when you have high draft picks. That's what's going to happen. Hutchinson was the second overall pick. Sewell was was a fortunate drop. I think he dropped to like fifth or sixth in the draft because three quarterbacks were, were chosen before him. So he got lucky, too. Aleem McNeil was like a second or third-round pick. Excellent pick. He's got five sacks this season, one against the Bears. Uh, Brian Branch was was a, a good uh, uh, find. But a, a lot of this, you can almost see Ryan Poles. Trying to replicate this and got to give Ryan Pose one more season to see if some of these draft picks, like Jervon Dexter, could ultimately be a hell of a lot better than Alim McNeil. Um, let's see who else here. Uh, but why Kirby? do we
1: have to keep engaging him and talking about the Lions anyway? <laughs> I like Don. <that>. Well, <laughs> but Don, would character. if the Bears would have won? Don wouldn't be here right now. You that's know he wouldn't. Sure. He that's absolutely, sure. he wouldn't be here. Why don't you go get some pussy or something, Don? Come on. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if the Lions lost.
2: <laughs> He's right. <laughs> He's right about that. I mean, why do you think Dan is here? Dan is here, and I'm looking for my fucking drop. I'm here whether
1: we <laughs> win or we lose.
2: <laughs> Where is it? I No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I, I would be willing like, to. That's not the one. Where's the one? God damn. I wish I had this organized. This is not. Jesus
1: Christ, Aldo. Do you remember saying that? Jesus Christ, Aldo. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Aldo. (laughs) I don't know what the context is at all.
2: (laughs) This is the one I'm trying to find. Where is it? Oh, God damn it. It's the one. That might've been.
1: Yeah. I think I do remember saying that. I think that was when I was joking with Heidi when uh, the thing with Phil, when Phil was gone, and I was like, bring Phil back. I think it's like, Jesus Christ, Aldo, when can Phil come back? Or something like that.
2: <laughs> That's right. The biggest mistake I ever made was bringing him back.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah! Anyways, I can't find my drop. I have a great drop of you saying, the only reason I'm here
1: is because I can't get any pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yes.
2: I have it somewhere. Where is it? Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm here. not
1: getting any pussy tonight. That's why I'm here. Why do I say? Was I sick that night? Listen to my voice; it sounds, it sounds something's wrong with it. I'm not getting any pussy tonight. That's why I'm here. I don't think that's me. I think that I'm not sense. getting any pussy tonight. That's why I'm here.
2: Yeah, that's definitely you.
1: If that's me, it's overly compressed or something. Like, no. That do, that does I, not sound like me at all.
2: I I agree.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. I probably wasn't getting getting laid that particular <laughs> night. So.
2: You're getting laid now like uh, almost every night, right? Not no, no, uh, we
1: don't get to see each other that often. Again, she, li- she lives a couple hours away, so she's coming over this weekend. So I should be slamming it all weekend. I mean, I shouldn't Good. say that. It might make her mad, you know. You're working on Thanksgiving Day? Yep. I, I am working uh, 20 hours on Thanksgiving.
2: Holy shit. Making that big cash.
1: Holy cow. The Bears right, aren't playing, for- so who cares, you know?
2: Yeah, I I do want to see that Packer-Lion game. Um, Oh,
1: I don't ever want to watch the Packers. I'd never watch them unless they're playing us.
2: I'm hoping we're, that game is obviously in Fort Field. I'm hoping that during the game that the Hindenburg blimp comes over and blows. Like Black them.
1: Sunday. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm hoping for some. Where cash is out. Bruce Dern when we need him? <laughs> Seventy thousand people, including members of the Lions and Packers, perished today on Thanksgiving Day. Oh
1: man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 maybe a tie. Maybe we can root for it. Yeah, Yeah. but you know, I don't really have any hostility toward the Lions. I truly don't. Uh, They they they've been down so long that they know what it's like for us to lose. So there you go. What now?
2: He wants to make a wager with you. Detroit comes to Chicago, and when you show, I don't live
1: in Chicago. I've been there three times already this year, and so. I'm not going to be at that game. I'm sorry. I'm going no, to the but Bears- he, he, browns he's game. He's
2: saying that with the, next sh- the, the next show after that game, you will show your face during the show.
1: I have no problem showing my face. I'm at work. There's no way for me to have a camera to show my face.
2: That's correct.
1: That's I mean, the Don, reason why. Don,
2: you should show your face. Take down that ugly picture of that fucking $2.99 hat.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the way, did you see John Oliver's show on Sunday?
1: I no, I didn't want
2: he it. he did a fucking takedown on these dollar stores. Holy shit, man. Anyway, if you get a chance, check it out. That's where
1: that hat came from. <laughs> the lion's hat.
2: That's what I thought of when I saw that hat.
1: <laughs> what, what, brand, what brand do you think that hat is?
2: <laughs> That's fucking the ratatouille hat <laughs> 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 made by mice in, in, in India.
1: I was gonna say um, it's definitely made in Asia is what I was gonna say. But, yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the media mashup?
1: Yeah, I guess. But I want to, before we hit it, I'll just say I I, I didn't follow. When the Bears lose, I usually don't want to hear from anyone. So I. all this is going to be foreign to me. I haven't really Mm -hmm. listened to anything. Uh, I just started cleaning house after the game, like, uh, not as a metaphor, like literally cleaning house.
2: No, I, I, I'm the same way. I um Yesterday I didn't have much to do for the bar room and so I was able to compile all of these clips. So none of it is from today. But all of it is uh, from either, there's two clips from Sunday and the other four are from Monday. And there's some good stuff here including the future of Kurt Warner. I mean uh, uh, Justin Fields According to Kurt Warner, um, the uh, the emotion from happen OB, which is always fucking worth the price of admission.
7: <laughs> but you know,
1: Justin. But I just want to say, I assumed that someone was going to be negative about Justin, mm-hmm. and I, I I thought about this uh, when we started the show. I was like, you know, he's still only twenty four. Mm-hmm. I mean, why <laughs> why is his whole livelihood on the line at twenty four years of age? Mm hmm. You know, the
2: thing is, <clears throat> and I, I can understand this point of view, is changing the quarterbacks, drafting a quarterback and trading Justin Fields allows for a salary cap reset at the quarterback position. Now, I don't really give that much of a fuck about that, but I have to be totally convinced that Justin is going to be worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. And so I'm still not quite there yet. And so what I'd like to do to see is the Bears draft a quarterback like late in the first round and keep Justin for next season and then make a decision after Justin, hopefully under a new offensive coordinator who tailors the offense to his strengths. Then we'll have a better picture. But I, I I'm beginning to agree with people who say that Luke Getzey has just been a major disservice to uh, uh, field's development. It took me a while, but I'm finally there. Yeah, um, me too. King Pookie Nation, I'm going to talk about the whole 1985 thing. Dan, did you see the Martellus Bennett
1: yeah, uh, yeah i saw i don't know if there was a longer portion of what he said but it, essentially he was just like you know they sell nostalgia there and they're not right. going to win they're doing a disservice by living in the past
2: yeah we'll talk about that on the other end of the media mashup all right it's 25 minutes long so
1: that gives me time up, to go take a shit and listen on my phone <laughs> i was just gonna say
2: <laughs> that very safety take a nice big long shit and make sure you uh uh Used a bidet. Don't they have a bidet there in the West Virginia radio? No,
1: they do not. <laughs> I've never used a bidet in my whole life. I've never seen one. Really? Oh never man, seen I've, one.
2: I've stayed at a couple of fancy hotels uh in the United States. And of course, when I was in Europe, uh bidets are great, man.
1: It's clean it's your funny. ass out real good. Clean it really
2: <laughs> good. <laughs> All no, right, man. here we go. <laughs> I don't
8: know.
0: Can somebody check into the Bears and find out who is the guy that's giving the dance lessons from play to play and quarter to quarter for the Chicago Bears? Our quarterback runs with the ball, gains about 15 yards, seven, whatever it was, and late in the game, and he starts dancing on the field. A stupid football team that is poorly coached, that, those are the people that lose those games.
7: Let's call it what it is. Yeah, you know, for 57 minutes... Eber Flus and his group, they did a damn good job of get, not only getting this team prepared, but schematically being better than what we have seen Detroit be most of the season. And you're you're saying to yourself, maybe, maybe this is a game. In the pregame, I talked about that moment in time when we beat a really good team and we started saying, hey, let's buy in. We know that we're capable now. Now Three minutes to go. You got a twelve-point lead. You got to do certain things, Ob. You got to not only realize the clock is the enemy. Now you're not playing Detroit no more. You're playing the damn clock. And yet we we fell apart in little pieces. So much of the game we did the smart thing. We were more physical. We burned. You know we owned the clock in the first half, Ob. Yeah, we went downfield with passes. I mean, rare, very rare. We took Laporta, their tight end, their rookie tight end, out of the mix until the last three minutes. We took St. Brown out except for maybe one catch, the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden, we, as you used to say, start taking stupid pills. And then we started not doing the things you gotta do and get up and press. Don't give them easy, uh, release. Do all those things. Buy time. Get the rush. And Jared Goff, and you can say what you want about that guy. He, he was our best player for 57 minutes. He was the most valuable bear. Yes, he was. And then he flipped the switch. And just like, what was that coach's name in Arizona? that said the Bears are who we thought they were. Well, guess what? We showed we're not ready to win yet.
0: I'll tell you what. Just, this goes to these bear players. You guys with your dancing, you make an interception. You run all the way down to the other end zone and you start dancing. You get another interception, you run down. Somebody makes a tackle, they run around. Can you guys stop dancing around and concentrate on the game on first down, second down, third down, and fourth down? Cover punts, cover receivers, make tackles, and when you make a run over 10 yards, don't get up and start dancing.
7: Well, in certain teams, they don't do it. But you know this team does it twenty five other teams, most of them losers. They they more worried about celebrating their individual accomplishment rather than the big picture of the team being able to win. They and think he they comes had, back and haunts you.
0: Then they think they had it won. and our quarterback again makes a run and then he gets up.
7: When yeah, the I game is still
0: him. going and he's on the field and he knows that the, the cameras are on him and he starts dancing. I wouldn't go. I have no words,
9: folks. You know, uh, Dave that likes to say, like, players win games, and that you have to go to the players that are the ones that can win the game. And I think everybody on defense seemed to be waiting for someone else to make a play at the end there. And obviously, we talked about, you know, throwing the ball to Tyler Scott in that situation. You almost have to avoid a touchdown there and just put the ball in D.J. Moore's hands? Yeah, it's, it's uh, another way to say it is, and it's, it's the same thing with the red zone, when the field shrinks at, and there's those situations, it's players, not plays, right? On your sheet. Who do I want to get the ball to? And another way to say it is I want my two first-round picks, uh, Justin Fields and D.J. Moore, to have the ball in their hands at some point, right? I don't want Herbert, a six-round pick. I don't want Tyler Scott, a fourth-round pick. And then uh, on, the, on the second play of the drive, everyone's talking about, right, they get the ball back, they run it twice to Herbert. Uh, it's kind of what we talked about too, guys. It's why we, were, we worried about moving Kevin Jenkins because now you don't have a strong side of your line anymore, a line that you want to run behind at that moment, right? It spreads everybody out, and I can't just focus on the right side of the line. And you want – I know what the read is there, but it is uh, – I think the linebacker's name is Derek Barnes. He runs a 4-6. Justin Fields runs a 4-4. They would have been one-on-one. I got to make sure Justin knows I want him, no matter what, no matter what the read is. I want the ball in your hands if you're one-on-one versus their linebacker.
1: So what happens in those moments, Olin, do you think, with coaches or or play callers in that? Does the anxiety overcome them? Do they not grasp what seems obvious to everyone else? Do they – just want to defy common sense? Because I think the examples that you're mentioning, they seem pretty much obvious in real time. And then you look back and you think, why aren't
9: they seeing the same game that we are? That's a great question. Why, why does, why isn't there a chip on Aiden Hutchinson, right? On the last 30 seconds left, two timeouts, uh, Darnell, right. And Aiden Hutchinson, or one-on-one Aiden Hutchinson, again, second pick of the draft players, not plays at that moment, right? I have to block this guy. No matter how good Darnell Wright played, this is the moment Aiden Hutchinson has been working, uh, waiting for the whole game. So uh, I don't know if it's preparation at that moment. Maybe, uh, David, what happens a lot of times now is we don't know what it's said on the sideline. We don't know what's said before the game. Maybe it was said to the players, right? Maybe they did tell Justin, if you're one-on-one, keep the ball uh, after the game. I know he said in his post-game press conference that he thought that uh, Derek Barnes was too wide, that the read was right to give the ball to Khalil Herbert. And, and, and I would argue with him in the building that, that, that it wasn't right, that you need to keep the ball there. And if I didn't make that clear enough, I apologize. If I didn't make it clear enough not to throw the deep ball to Tyler Scott in that moment of the game, I apologize. But th- that is, again, we can go all the way to the five minutes left in the game, right? Even the drive before that, after his long run, you know, after he danced I thought, man, maybe this game is over. Maybe the things I'm worried about is not going to happen, right? He makes a great run. A great play. I think it was third and long. Uh, they hand the ball off to Khalil Herbert on third and seven. I don't understand that, right? I, I, I'm Ryan Pose. I'm trying to make a decision where, I'm, where if I had the first two picks of the draft, whether I want May or – like, let's be honest about what, we, what we're doing here. If May and Williams are on the board, have the first two picks of the draft, I have, to, I have to decide whether I want them or Justin Fields. So I need the ball in Justin Fields' hands as much as possible in that moment. Because last year I could blame everybody else, right? We can go through week 9, 3, 11 if you guys want to. We went through a yeah. lot last year about yeah. is it Phil's fault, is it the team's fault. Well, I got yesterday I had so many chances in that game for him to make the play. If I want to keep him over Man Williams, I need him to make that play. I got to make sure getsy if I'm Ryan Pose, I got to make sure getsy and Eva Flues understand I need to see this guy either throw the ball or make the play. Let's <laughs> see it,
3: today or Wednesday and go man this is the same old stuff like how how do they take this and try and move it in the right direction
10: yeah I mean I think it's probably uh case by case to be honest with you because I think that there were some players in the locker room yesterday that were grasping and trying to to really cling to the positives and and the the production and in all three phases that was evident Yesterday, and then there were those guys that have experienced this many, 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 many different times, just staring through the wall of their locker stall and trying to come to grips with it. So this one's going to leave a mark, you know, and it's definitely going to going to sting and hurt and 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 shake some of the the city once again. And and it's just where we've been so often. And I think, you know, one of the questions that I have to ask, and I don't know that I have an answer for it, is does this team sometimes? just get a little too high on itself. And, you know, we we heard them be surprised at the way the Packers game unfolded in week one. We, we, We heard them be surprised that they weren't able to carry over what happened in Washington to the Vikings game. And then yesterday within the game, it felt like maybe a premature exhale in those final five minutes. And the next thing you know, you're in that locker room. It's quiet. It's stunned. And you're a last place team just trying to figure out why you can't be one of these teams that can figure it out once in a while.
4: It's been a theme of the year. How do you handle success? Yep. What lessons do you learn? And when Iberflues says, I accentuated the positives after the game, you wish some of this stuff would go on during the game. That, That, hey, we're doing this well. We're going to keep doing this well and don't stop.
10: Right. And, you know, going back through it this morning, you know, that, that drive that Detroit put together to make it 26 to 21 was just way too easy. It was just way too easy. And the last 50 yards of it, 51 yards, I think it was took 13 seconds. You know, you had a a little Mm. pass to, to Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he gets out of a tackle, finds his way out of bounds to, to keep them from having to be in hurry up mode and use more clock. And then you get that breakdown on the back end of a coverage for the 32-yard touchdown pass from uh, from Goff to, to Jamison Williams. It, it just can't happen. Those are veteran defensive backs on the back end of your defense in a game-on-the-line moment, and you just allow them to go right down the field and score. And Colleen K- Kane said to me at the time, she said, they're going to lose, aren't they? And I said, I don't know. Well, let's see where it goes. And then later on uh, on Sunday night, she said, we kind of knew they were gonna lose after they hit that touchdown pass to Jamison Williams. And we shouldn't know that when a team has the ball up five in the final minutes that, that, that they're gonna unravel. But it's just kind of what we've come to expect from a team that hasn't shown an ability to finish, hasn't shown an ability to focus through the finish line. And, and now here they are two and 11 in one score games under are Matt Eberflus. And you can draw whatever conclusions you want out of what is obviously a worrisome trend
4: that was a hell of a performance by Justin Fields and the Bears, and literally no team in NFL history has ever lost a game where they were plus three in the turnover margin and held the ball for over 40 minutes. So we are celebrating that we witnessed history
1: yesterday. <laughs> What's your takeaway from that performance by Justin Fields?
6: Uh, well, I thought they really played to Justin's strengths. Maybe the first time this year when he's been in there, where I really felt like the game plan was very similar to last year, but but catered around the things that that Justin does well. There was a whole bunch of quarterback design runs, or at least, you know, quarterback design run options off of what they were doing. Uh they got Justin out in space uh in terms of throwing the football, uh, you know, half rolls, naked bootlegs, things like that for him to be a creator. Um, and then they took their shots downfield. And so um you know, I, I don't think it's any surprise that he played really, really well in a game plan like that, um, because I think we've seen that, um, you know, numerous times over the last couple of years that he's done that. I think the question that continues to remain is, A, can you play that way and be successful week in and week out, and especially for the long term, you know, with a, uh, an athletic quarterback? Can they stay healthy? Can they, you know, continue to take that kind of pounding on their body year in and year out, week in and week out? And so that, that I think remains the question as we were talking last week, trying to figure out is Justin their guy moving forward? If they can play this way and win the way we saw them play yesterday, I believe the answer without a doubt is, is yes, but they haven't been able to win playing that way. So Do we still need to see more from the standpoint of, okay, we can't always have that game plan. We've got to be able to drop back and play a little more conventional football and show that we can win that way when needed um, is still a question I think you have to answer uh, when deciding if if Justin's going to be your guy for the long haul.
4: And that's what they did at the very beginning of the year, Kurt. They tried to get him to play more of that style that you're talking about. And it didn't work out so yeah that's the thing 18 rushes 14 of them were either on zone read keepers or on designed runs he's missed 10 games in two and a half years if you were a general manager how much would that scare you when planning for the future
6: it it would scare me a lot you know when you're talking about you know franchise quarterbacks are going to make 250 million dollars they're going to be uh you know take up so much of the salary cap and I get it, rightfully so. If you have one of those guys, they're difference makers. You you pay them and you're willing to pay them. But when a guy is, you know, based a lot around that athleticism, that is a concern. I mean, it was a concern in the offseason with Lamar Jackson, who's a guy that we know is a franchise quarterback, guy that's been an MVP, um, you know, but he had a chance to kind of hit the open market or at least explore who else is interested. And, you know, we can, we can talk about what the reasons were that nobody was interested but i believe part of the factor was hey we're going to have to pay this guy 250 million dollars and he's missed all these games the last couple of years because of injuries because he is out there you know running and, and you know holding on to the ball and trying to make plays that maybe other guys don't or can't make um and you have to kind of you know balance that risk and reward or uh you know figure out you know, is it worth it? And how long can they play that way? And what if they do get banged up? How much does that change what we can do offensively? Or even, you know, can they even be out on the field because they're putting themselves in harm's way? So I, I just that that is a tough question to answer because for guys like Justin and guys like Lamar, it is such a different making tool. I mean, we've seen it. Those guys are so good athletically, and they can do things that other guys can't do, period. So you don't ever want to take that out of the game, but you want to limit that to the moments when you really need it, because the more you expose somebody to those things, the more wear and tear on their body, the more opportunities to be hurt. I, I think it was us that was talking about it a couple weeks ago that, you know, there's a reason that running backs have a shorter shelf life because they take a pounding, And not that a quarterback's ever going to take that pounding, but those things add up and they change the way that you're able to play as you get older. And so teams that want to, you know, sign a franchise quarterback, they want to have a guy that they know will be that same guy year in and year out for the long haul and, you know, for the, the extent of their contract.
4: I thought this was a coach who went into the fetal position, rolled over. You're up nine. I don't really need the field goal to get to twelve. Two touchdowns beat your ass anyway. At fourth and one, I would have gone for up six. I understand why he went for the three to go up nine, mm-hmm. but you're three and seven.
8: Let's show some aggressiveness. No, I think that was the right decision. You you got two scores in the fourth quarter. You have two scores in the fourth quarter. You win the game. That's that's period. You know it's uh, there's, it's inexcusable for. For defense to go out there and allow two seventy-five yard uh, drives to score—that's that's the that's the gist of it. I think we should talk about that a
6: little bit. And what, what what was the difference for you, the w- scheme-wise, for the Bears defensively the first
8: three quarters and that fourth quarter? It, you know what it was the the critical situation. It comes down to critical situation. You have an opportunity uh, where where uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds has an opportunity to uh, tackle a guy before the first down, which will lead to, I believe it's either a, a third or a fourth down. I believe it leads, leads to a fourth down. Mm-hmm. Um, you get off the field, you know what I mean? Or you hold them to three points. Um, that's crucial. You know, he misses that tackle. And a tackle you have to make in the open field, uh, Jamar, uh, Jameer Gibbs has his back to him, okay? You sprint down, you make that tackle, you get down, and the defense gets off the field, all right? Offense gets on, you run that clock out. You know, there's another situation where uh, uh, there's a corner route. And you can see uh, uh, from the snap of the ball from the hinge of Jalen Johnson, it's either cover two or cover four. Okay. Now, uh, either one, you, you sh- you, neither of those defenses require a safety to be uh, or a wide receiver to be deeper than the safety. Okay. And you have Eddie Jackson back there who is the, the most veteran uh, uh, corner or DB in the backfield. Mm-hmm. His eyes were off his eyes weren't where they were supposed to be, should have been backpedal on the middle, as soon as that ball was snapped and should have been over the top and he should have defended that putt, that pass. So, you know, it's not like the call was bad, the execution was bad. The coach called the right play, the players didn't get it done in the critical situation. You can go out and you can play three and a half quarters, they took the ball away, did all those great things. But in a critical situation, you're up two scores in the, in the fourth quarter, you couldn't ask for a better situation defensively.
4: So I want to go back to the Bears' last possession, not the safety. The last possession where they went three and out. Okay. First play is off-tackle, gain of of maybe a yard. Yep. Second play is a read option. Justin talked about it. I would have preferred to see him keep the ball and try and beat the linebacker, 55 Barnes. But he was there. I, I get it. I just would put my money on, it's not you there, that's Barnes. I would have put my money that Justin could get around the edge and beat him. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. But, All right. But your
8: her, your 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 read is is if he stays,
4: you uh, you hand it off. If correct. he comes, then you you t- you keep. Correct. Correct. Okay. So he he said I made the correct read. Fifty five was there. I handed it off. Herbert gets stuffed. Now we're on third down. Either, if you're going to be conservative, kick field goals instead of going for, then run the football, and force them to use their last time out. But he took the deep shot. He had DJ Moore dragging across the middle. Mm-hmm. He took the deep shot. Tyler Scott has to catch the football. Absolutely. So take us through that series.
8: I mean, as soon as he snaps the ball, he gets his read, you know, and I can see the read. I can see the way that, that uh, the DBs were dropping. You, Everybody can see that he had a step and he, was in, he, was at, he had a window. It was a great window. Um, But you got to make the play, you know, and everybody can say, you know, hey, it has got to go to D.J. Moore. You should go to D.J. Moore in this position. We are professional athletes. We are. okay. And as much as as great as D.J. Moore is. uh, Tyler Scott, he's in the he playing for the Chicago Bears. All right. You throw the ball up. Go catch it. Catch the doggone ball. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, make the tackle. You are professional. All right. That's what it is. That's what it really comes down to. The ball is there. What are you out there for? You know, and, and so and that's to me, to me it wasn't a bad read. It was a good read. You know, um, uh, based throw. on the situation, it was a great throw too. You know, and 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 so you, I don't I don't look back on oh well he should have done this he should have done that. You know, the play was there to be made. You have to make the play. Yeah, as, I, I say this to Cap all the time. With these games,
6: I know it's just easy to say that coach didn't put that player in the right position. However, when you lifted all those weights and you put all that time in, you got to be able to execute at some point. Some point's got to be on you as well. I mean, I this whole thing where it becomes a lazy narrative at some point, Lance, where it's just like the coaches are, are bad. Okay, we can p- replace the coaching staff. There's no problem with that. <laughs> but at some point, these veteran players are getting paid. they got to be able to execute.
8: This is the argument that, uh, that Alex Brown has all the time. It's like, you know, and, and, and it's just what you're saying. Like, we can go get new coaches, but if the players
4: aren't executing – what the coaches put out, it ain't gonna matter what coach you bring in. It's not going to matter. That wasn't the coaching mistake that Jalen Johnson dropped a pick six that led to a touchdown two plays later at the goal line. He and, was he was brutal. And the and the, the the
8: the the example was the week before with the drop picks, you know, the the Jack Sanborn in the fourth quarter and the, you know, and and these are they're too precious. He gets that pick, you know, and he—he's nobody's going to stop him from getting to the end zone. He's gone. He's gone. And then, you know, and 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 to to compound on top of this is, you want to be paid like the top corners in the league. Correct. These are the plays that you're supposed to make. You have to make those plays if you want to <laughs> have that argument.
3: Uh, I'm going to tell you who else's career here in Chicago is over. Eddie Jackson. Eddie Eddie Jackson's career in Chicago is over. The last four minutes, the last two drives, don't watch the tape of Eddie Jackson. You can't try to fool the world of anything. You can't fool the world of anything at this point. He he was exposed. It's rough. He was exposed in that game. So we thank Eddie Jackson for his efforts. And the dreams of Jalen Johnson being paid in the city of Chicago, the kind of money he wants, will not happen. Some other team is going to have to be fooled into that. But it won't be Chicago. You're not getting 20-plus million from the Chicago Bears. You might fool somebody else. Somebody else with a a garbage load of salary cap might be fooled into giving Jalen Johnson the money, but you can't give a good player great money. He's a good Um, player. Harm? Yeah, he's a good player. He's going to sure. play in this league for ten years. He dropped a pick six. I yeah. know that. Dropped a pick six. That you know shouldn't happen. You know what the guy from Dallas did? Uh, he made he a great play for another pick He intercepted the ball. Six. He turned over. Popped up Brandon for a touchdown. His fourth of the year. That's a great player. That great player making great plays will make great amount of money. That's the difference. Not turn, turn on the film of that kid and turn on the film of Jalen Johnson interference penalty once again. Not not four interceptions on the year. He's got six. He's got four pick Re- sixes return for touchdowns. on the year. Deron Bland has four pick sixes in for your the fourth Dallas Cowboys. Year, after you have two interceptions in one game, you're second and third, you're up there giving everybody the dollar signs and the I want to get paid. And he dropped they, the pick. You six. will get paid somewhere else. And the Bears would have had a fourteen nothing lead, right? The, at yeah. that point, yeah, with fourteen nothing instead of seven to seven instead on the s- next play, seven seven. Great players make great plays. What did a good player do? A good player batted well, the ball down. And it's like good teams and good. In, in bad teams and teams that just lose. I mean, yeah. good teams. Jalen yeah. Johnson makes the pick six. Tyler Scott uh, doesn't pull up right. his route and makes the catch, and the Bears probably ice the game. Right when they took the lead with four fifteen left. When they when they made the lead, excuse me, twelve, which we'll get into that decision. And I don't disagree with that. When they made the lead twelve with four fifteen left, ESPN analytics gave the Bears a ninety eight. Point two percent chance, and the two percent of failure was Eberflus. It's not even two it's, full percent, it, right? Coach, but one point eight percent. I got you, but the, it said one point eight percent, and then it said EE, and I'm like EE E Cummings. I go, who's this <laughs> part? No, no, it said for Eberflus effect. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You're muted, Aldo.
2: <laughs> fuck I hate it when I do that Dan did you hear the part where OB was
1: complaining I heard about it 22? all I heard it all I took. I was shitting for about 10 minutes but I heard it all <laughs> uh, yeah I, you know I love that show but I just disagree like I, I think that's one of those I hate to use a stereotype on OB and say he's just old but that sounded like one of those moments the stereotype of the old man saying get off my fucking lawn yep. I, I just I can't agree that Justin dancing after a 29 or 30 yard run is that big of a deal. Now, if he's, he's annoyed also by anytime the defense gets a turnover, they take off running for the camera. I get that. You know, I'm annoyed by that too. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he showed maybe if he just pumped his fist in the air, we are all like, yeah, but he mm-hmm. danced a little bit. So what That that's, I mean, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I just, I just don't, I disagree with that.
2: I'm totally, totally with you. It, it, to me, it made Ob look uh, like an he was old...
1: 107 years old.
2: Exactly. You know, it's and he has said things before, and I love the guy. I mean, he's one of the reasons I fell in love with the Chicago Bears because there's this old uh, NFL films where he's interviewed and he's got that great deep baritone voice, and he was talking about men. You know, these are men, goddamn it. These are Amen. men who go out there and put their lives. And and I like was enthralled. And then John Facenda comes in with this deep voice. I was like this is a sport for me, man. Right,
7: right.
2: <laughs> but now when he says shit like that and he talks about, you know, uh, defenses nowadays, he doesn't understand the new defensive concept or he's, you know, you're giving him so much room. and That's how they play now. They play these umbrella defenses uh, now. And you try to get a four-man rush. And, and so he. it's like the game has passed him by, but nonetheless he is still the most entertaining post-game show uh, in history, <laughs> Ob. First of all, I was Ob and, and uh, Doug Buffone, but now with uh, Dan Hampton, when he's not breathing too heavily into the mic, that he scares me. He's gonna
1: have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Who was second on the rundown?
2: Um, it was, it was, uh, wasn't it, Olin Krutz? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just did. Look, I don't want Olin to kick my ass here, but I have to. <laughs> like to me, Tyler Scott and maybe this isn't what Olin was saying, but to me, uh, Tyler Scott is paid to be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He, he was wide open. He beat mm-hmm. single coverage. That's the throw. Like, you can't criticize, to me, you can't criticize Justin for not throwing to DJ Moore there when fu- the guy who's paid, the guy's paid to catch balls. And he's open. Right. And, like, so, yeah, Justin made the right throw. The motherfucker was open. He should have caught it. Like, I don't know how anyone can criticize Justin for that. I just don't get it.
2: I've been critical of Justin when there were guys wide open going down the field and say, how come he doesn't throw it? it. Right. (laughs) So I'm not going to say he shouldn't have thrown it, especially to DJ Moore, who was double covered. He's doing what he was taught. To do as a coach, read the play, and and you know I'm not. I would have been livid if he would have thrown it into double coverage. It probably would have been intercepted. He made the right throw. He made a perfect throw. It was beautiful. Applause, applause. I gotta tell you, Dan, that I, as as bad as this loss was, as 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 a kick to the nuts, and my nuts are still swollen after this loss. There was so many good things about this. It's like all right, come on, Justin, let's build on this against Minnesota. Yes. Let's show everybody that you can pick up these exotic blitzes that they come with. Let's get a 250 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns, 50 yards rushing. Let's build on this and finish the season strong. I, 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 I'm rejuvenated a little bit by his performance and some of the other things in this game. You and I, there was a part of the season where we were like, Fucking Justin just doesn't have it, and then he comes out and throws four touchdown passes against the commanders. And then we're starting to think, well, maybe we were okay, wrong. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I think the worst part about Sunday, other than the actual defeat, is that, that David Montgomery got the game winning touchdown. I like to me, <laughs> I just feel like I personally was kicked in the ball bag on that one, yeah. You know, I want, want something I meant to tell you at the beginning of the show. This huh? is absolutely true. Uh, I am embarrassed to say that I got went through a drive-through before I got here tonight. I didn't eat the best food in the world, which is why I was shitting. But uh, <laughs> so I went through a McDonald's drive-through on the mm-hmm. way over. The kid who's taking my money because I actually still like to pay in cash, which I know is an aberration. The kid mm-hmm. that's taking my money, probably 18, 19, young girl, probably born in like 2006 or something. She looks at me, and I, I had a bear's like jacket that's like good for rain because it's raining here today, and a bear's hat on. So mm-hmm. she says. Oh, you like the Chicago Bears? And she's like, I I got a I have a Bears T-shirt. And I said, Oh, you like the Bears too? She's like, Well, I like the shirt a lot. I wear it a lot. I was like, You don't want to be a Bears man? And she's like, <laughs> Why? I said, Because it's miserable. It's miserable. There's lots of losing. I'm I'm a I'm a shell of of my former self. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> always, I'm always down and upset. And I was like, Look, man, I care a lot. I was like, I've I've been in Chicago three games already this year, and I'm going to see them in Cleveland again. And then for like a half hour, she was asking me questions like, how long does it take to get there? Like, where do you fly? I I was literally in the drive-thru talking bears with her for 20 minutes. But my point is I told this kid, don't be a bears fan. Wow. Was she cute? She was a kid, man. I didn't look at her that way. I'm not
2: talking about for you. I'm talking about for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She was a cute kid, but I mean, to me, she looked like she could be somebody's daughter. And I mean that in the, you know what I mean? She just was. Oh, yeah. she, I am just way too old for it. Like I didn't look at her that way at all. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I've. Stopped but she doing was fun that. to
1: talk to, though. But I told her, don't be a Bears fan. You don't, you don't want the agony. Yeah,
2: I stopped doing that about a week or two ago. All right, the last <laughs> point I want to make is, um, uh, uh, do you think that the Bears would have won this game if Marvin Harrison Jr. was the receiver opposite DJ Moore?
1: You know how many games I've seen Marvin Harrison Jr. play? Mm-hmm. Zero. Probably one. <laughs> Zero. I have That's no fucking eight. idea. I know I didn't like his dad. I fucking hated his dad, but his dad, I guess his dad's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh,
2: his dad, his, he's better than his dad because he's bigger. His well, I was going to say past.
1: everybody talks about him. He's got mm-hmm. a name. I'm rooting for Michigan Saturday because of Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want him to lose Saturday. But, yeah, if you told me that we had – in theory two number one receivers and he's supposed to be one and dj is one then yeah maybe that picks up the slack and maybe we win that way but tyler scott has to catch that he's a pro yes indeed. he's a pro that's his gig man now i still have more faith in scott than i do Velas, but oh, i'm worried a. i'm worried that tyler's a bust too i mean he's had several turnovers this year as well and like what are you doing? That's your moment to show like I'm worthy, worthy of my pick. I'm I'm open, like fucking throw me the ball and then like you stop running?
2: Yeah, when he came out of college, that that was the one knock on him is that his hands were not super reliable. Not that he was a terrible pass catcher, but some reports said that his hands were, could be a little suspect at times and so he's got to improve that. He's got to hit the jugs machine and catch 2 300 of those uh every practice uh because if not then he is not going to be the heir apparent to Darnell Mooney, who I believe the Bears are not going to resign.
1: Um, I don't think Mooney's earned it at this point, at least not a big contract. I mean, last two years, he hasn't really done much. And right. with uh, with Scott, to me, that wasn't so much a drop as he just quit running inexplicably. But at the time of the draft, I thought he was a good pick only because I heard Randy Moss, who obviously is from here, and I trust I saw him play against us forever in Minnesota is a good wide receiver. He knows what he's talking about. And Randy said that this was one of his favorite uh, receivers in the draft. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Okay. If Randy Moss is saying that he must have some skill. And yeah, well, Randy Moss catches that 1998 rookie Randy Moss takes that and goes to the fucking house.
2: One hands it, right?
1: Yeah. Why (laughs) can't we get that guy? Is that Marvin Um, Harrison Jr. there?
2: That's Marvin Harrison, yes. Yes. Okay, then
1: keep Justin and and draft that guy.
2: Yes. See, that's that's the plan that I'm thinking about now is draft Marvin Harrison. That way you got DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison, and then you drop the best – Draft or trade down with that next pick. It could be the third pick, the fourth pick. The but but pick.
1: Do you go from one to two and get Marvin? Because the whoever's going to trade up with you is going to want a quarterback, right?
2: Yes. If you are assured they're not going to steal Marvin Harrison, yes. So whatever team you're is he pick worthy to-
1: of a pick of taking, of drafting him first and not trading?
2: I believe he is, and I hate to say that because my my whole bloodline says you don't draft a wide receiver that high, but this guy. He's a fucking talent that uh, transcends the game. He could be special.
1: So be if ready. you draft Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. regardless if you trade down to, say, second or you draft him first overall, right? then do you keep Justin unless one of these other quarterbacks falls to your next pick?
2: I think you if Justin plays as well as I expect him to play the last six games of the season, I do think you keep Justin for his fourth year
1: and you can and still th- franchise him his fifth year if you don't give him his, his fifth year. Well
2: you give option. him the fifth, you give him the fifth year option right? you're right is you, so you can still have the franchise tag available. so you're not gonna be you're not gonna be missing out on a quarterback. The key thing is that Justin has to instill some confidence on guys like me and I think guys like you, who feel like he could be the guy, but sometimes it's mistake. And and I'm not excusing Luke Getzey's poor coaching, which has retarded his progress. Can I say retarded
7: nothing?
1: <laughs> well, you, in that context, you can certainly. Okay. I think that Justin, the thing I worried about heading into the game was has all this law, lo- all this losing is it hurt him. But he came out looking like he had, was on fire, had great confidence. But then again, you see the fumble at the end. And which I, again, I'm not blaming him. I know he took a deep drop and I know that he fumbled. And it seems like all of our quarterbacks fumble when they get hit, whether it's Jay or Trubisky or, or, or uh, Fields. I know that, but I still think he played a, a tremendous game and certainly good enough to win. I yep. just hope that fumble doesn't make him start doubting himself.
2: Yeah. Uh, Tucci, right? So you, I was afraid we was going to be the segue. <laughs> <laughs> segway- Speaking of uh,
1: mentally challenged, uh, John. Said, no, no.
2: That's right. Well, it is time for Johnny Santucci to join us. Uh Let me get pick the appropriate background here. Let's go there, and then let's go here, and then
1: let's bring him in here. Oh, no, I need to pick No muting, box. John. No muting.
2: No muting, amigo. There he is, John Santucci. You are muted, by the way, uh, John. So help a brother out. I'm up. back. I'm up. Yeah. All right,
5: brother. How back, are you, fellas? man? Doing okay. Too bad. A little pinched nerve back here, man. Oh, you're
2: getting old, man. And,
5: yeah. <laughs> yep. Old Bears fans, all doing too The oldest. I feel like we're about to go to a funeral.
2: <laughs> oh no, shit! Let, let me ask you: What was your mood like after the game Sunday?
5: <sighs> depressed and pissed off, I guess. I mean, okay. I mean, we had that game. <laughs> like, I did not want to. Like, I was like writing Bear's state of affairs. You know, they're a lot easier when the Bears lose for me to write. These <laughs> <things>. <laughs>
7: it's like, okay, you that's know? True. <laughs> yeah, true. They're, they're
5: my, fun. <laughs> my uh, my immediate. Reaction to or my uh, after thinking, ruminating on it for a a while, and uh, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, in bare state of affairs, you know, I was like, my my thought today is, how the fuck do we go backwards after firing Matt Nagy? (laughs) (laughs) I
2: love that. (laughs) Yeah, how in the hell can you do that? How can you pick a worse coach than Matt Nagy? It's, it's like, all right, you, you start off with a really bad coaching coaching choice in Trestman. Oh, let's make it a little worse, Matt yeah. Nagy. Oh, let's make it even more worse.
7: <laughs> Maddie, <we're first>. <laughs> Matt Eberfluss.
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm really looking forward to your bare state of affairs. You uh, texted Dan and me saying that it was going to be on fire, so uh, let's start it off this way. <laughs>
5: All right, Bears' state of affairs, 2023 NFL season, week 12. What is happening? Bar flies. Well, the Bears played their 11th game of the season on the road in Motown versus the Detroit Lions on Sunday. And, man, they really had us fooled. We all thought the Bears were on their way to winning their second game in a row. And who could blame us? The Bears led by 12 points with less than five minutes left in the game. We led by 12 with less than five minutes. Eventually, yeah, Bears would go soft in the second half and fall 31 to 26 to the Lions. And the Bears now find themselves at three and eight on the season. You know, the Bears played really well in the first half, especially Justin Fields, who returned from a thumb injury after missing the better part of four games. The Bears took the opening drive 75 yards, culminating in a Dante Foreman touchdown. There were rollouts, play action passes. There were Justin Fields runs, too. In fact, Justin Fields played really well in his return to action. He and DJ Moore connected all game long with Fields dropping a beautiful pass into Moore in the third quarter. It was good for a 39-yard touchdown. Man, I really like that. In a game where Fields would finish with over 100 yards rushing and the Bears would get three interceptions off of Jared Goff, this was a game the Bears should have won. The Lions gave the Bears every opportunity to win, and the Bears still could not get the victory. It was a monumental and historic defeat because since 1932, no NFL team with a plus three turnover margin at 40 minutes of title position had ever lost a game. Teams were 48 and 0 until the Bears played the Lions on Sunday. So it's not an overstatement to call this a historic loss. According to ESPN, the Bears had a 98.8% chance to win the game when they led 26 14 with four minutes and 15 seconds remaining. However, it's apparent to Bears fans that ESPN Analytics failed to take into account the Bears coaching staff. Yeah, Bears fans, on the other hand, felt like it was a 98.8% chance that Matt Eberflus and the Bears coaching staff would blow this one. In fact, I was wondering just how the Bears coaching staff would blow this one. By being too conservative instead of continuing to do what was bringing them success in the first half by playing not to lose rather than playing to win? It's all of the above, and it hasn't been the first time this coaching staff has blown leads in games they should have won. The Bears' loss to the Lions broke the record for biggest blown lead in the Matt Eberfluss era, set in week four of this season when they had a 98.1% chance of winning versus the Broncos. The loss to the Broncos also broke the previous record for the biggest blown lead. That game was also against the Lions in the Matt Eberflus era, originally set in week 10 of last season, where they had a 95.2% chance of winning against Detroit when they had a lead and then lost. Matt Eberflus has been the head coach for four of the top 50 blown leads in Chicago Bears history in just over a season and a half. He's coached 28 games, which means that roughly one out of every seven games is a historic choke job. With a victory in reach, Matt Eberflus went conservative on both offense and defense and blew a two-score lead with three minutes left in the game. There is no one else to blame. Matt Eberflus got everything he could have asked for on Sunday. Four turnovers on defense, a relatively efficient game from his offense, 250-plus combined yards from his quarterback, and a good old clock-killing drive in the fourth quarter that put his team up by 12 points and his coaching decision still resulted in a loss. The guy is cursed. Quote, the disappointment was the finish, said Eberflus after the game. No shit. The <laughs> finish, yeah. That was pretty disappointing, coach. Yeah, as part of personality, Ross Reed said on X recently, that is also what Eberflus' wife says. Kaboom! <laughs> 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 I love Ross. I love you, <laughs> <Ross>. <laughs> contrast Flus's comments with those of Lions head coach Dan Campbell when asked about Justin Fields he said quote man he played really well really well he's a hell of an athlete he's tough he causes issues bottom line Justin Fields played well enough to beat a 7-2 and team on the road in a hostile environment only to be let down by his coaches in fact Justin Fields is really just another talented quarterback to be let down by the Bears organization. Here, let me give you a little history lesson a la Bears fan dam. There was Jay Cutler, who had seven offensive coordinators in nine years and took the blame for everything. Jeez. There was Mitch Trubisky, who had three offensive coordinators in four years and took the blame for everything. Now we have Justin Fields, who has had three offensive coordinators in three years and is taking the blame for everything. The Bears have had five head coaches since 2009 and 13 different play callers. It's organizational failure. The Bears simply don't know what to do with quarterbacks. They never have. Last week on Bears State of Affairs, I said the most important task for the Bears organization was to evaluate if Justin Fields was the guy, the franchise, the quarterback of the future. Today, I'm not so sure that's the most important task anymore. After Sunday's monumental collapse, the Bears should be evaluating whether or not this coaching staff is good enough to coach Justin Fields next season. As far as Matt Eberflus, he's now 0-9 against the NFC North, 6-22 as a head coach. He's yet to beat a team with a winning record. He's simply not the guy. He cannot stay past 2023. If Matt Eberflus were an ice cream Sunday, he'd be one small scoop of vanilla in a kitty cup. If you ordered an Andy Reid or a Dan Campbell Sunday, it's like moose tracks with hot fudge, chopped nuts, whipped cream, and a cherry on top. That's what we have a vanilla scoop and a kitty cup. Last Sunday's game saw an encouraging and impressive performance of Justin Fields. Unfortunately, the end result was a gut punch that left Bears fans wondering how the hell do we go backwards after firing Matt
2: Nagy? And that is Bears' state of affairs. <laughs> that was good. <great. laughs> that is the great Johnny Santucci, one of the greatest bears essayists I've ever heard. Really well done, my man.
5: Thank you. Thank
7: you
2: by the way this new computer i love it man i love it it's not freezing up you're right on your cues you look good the blue screen looks awesome god yep yeah
5: this is i think this is aaron mikulski's basement he doesn't know i'm here aaron (laughs) i'm downstairs
2: (laughs) i was gonna say the only bad thing about that background is that there is the hint of you know like you might have, like, a 12-year-old boy locked up in that closet or <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
5: I, I did a search for Bears Man Cave on Google. I downloaded this. And the guys on uh, Tailgate or Joe and uh, or uh, Fantasy Football Goon or Tailgate, they were like, isn't that Aaron Mikalski? <laughs> does look like Aaron, it. Aaron's going to watch the video. like, what's Toots doing in my basement?
2: We oh, gotta I'm have Aaron,
5: Aaron see- on. on. <laughs> Let's check TF2 just
2: downstairs. <laughs> we gotta have Aaron on soon. All right, guys. Uh, I want to get your comments on the latest uh, X post from former Bears tight end Martellus. Yeah. Bear. Did you see this, Tooch? Yeah, yep, right. I did. Let me, uh, for the yeah. audience that's not aware, let me I think read I it. Said a, a, I
5: said I texted that to you. I th- you
2: did, yeah, I, have. yeah, yeah. I have it on graphic form here, so let me read it to everyone, yeah. um, and then get your you and Dan's comments on it. Martello yeah. started off by saying, Bears ownership lacks futurism, the entire business model is built on selling the past. The 85 bears they're always trying to recreate that old product instead of buying into and pr- producing a new product. The owners are okay with losing a game, but not the the brand built on the past. The Bears need an entire rebrand. Top to bottom, they need ownership that is going to transition the organization into the future. They never protect their players publicly. You can't trust the organization as a player because you can't relate to the leadership. They can't communicate with the youth. Their audience is a legacy audience, and they're afraid of changing because they don't want to lose out on these legacy fans. They make that make them money. Nostalgia is the greatest marketing tool. I'd be interested in seeing fan growth on the Bears and then these last two. The question not is
5: without more wins.
2: Yeah, really. <laughs> the question is, who are the Bears of tomorrow? We're always we're always pitched the Bears of yesterday. What are the plans of the future? The lack yeah. of creativity is astonishing. Yesterday ain't winning today. Doing what's best for your play- players is what's best for your franchise. Get creative and help them do what they do best. Coaches always want players to adapt but never want to adapt their, scheme, their schemes for their players. So, uh Tucci, sounds like you agree with Mr. Martellus Bennett.
5: Oh, it's hard not to. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like uh, – uh, he, he he makes a ton of good points and raises a ton of good questions, you know, uh, do the bears lack foresight? It, it you know, it would appear. So, you know, would keep uh, or, or is, or is a uh, uh, 85 bears all we have to, to sell anyways, because it's been what almost 30 years or 40 years of frustration. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, yeah. uh, afraid to keep the fan base, you know, older generation of fans like you and me, you know, uh, we ain't getting any younger uh and bringing into the bringing youth into the uh into the uh, bears fandom you know like even dan aguirre just told a little story about don't be a don't be a bears fan young lady (laughs) you know it's it's not the environment to bring in young fans Mm
7: -hmm.
8: but
5: uh i think the most salient point you can gather from that is that last year uh and right before the season this year we felt that the bears of tomorrow were just were guys like justin fields you know that you we all had super high hopes the season really it, it, it couldn't have gone worse if you scripted it to go worse than this you know i mean the, mm-hmm. the only thing that could go worse is like a jet liner crashing into hell's hall for, mm-hmm. for this season you know but yeah uh, Martellus is great just just great we, we have to do something although you and i are, you and i come from the marketing advertising world
10: mm-hmm. and
5: uh to keep marketing the same uh legacy like Martellus describes it's 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 uh eventually self-defeating
1: dan your thoughts i disagree Uh, across the board i loved marty as a player i i don't understand first off if he's got some kind of example of when he was a bear that he felt they didn't protect him then just fucking say it don't be beating around the bush here it's like low-hanging fruit Anytime somebody doesn't like the Bears, they're like, oh, state
2: uh, of affairs.
1: the McCaskies oh, have proof. to sell the team. I'm just saying, but it's like anyone just says that because it's like an easy fucking line. It's like that percentage that you said, oh, they had a 98.2% chance. Who the fuck? What is that? Where did that derive from? They just make this shit up. How, how, why was it 98.6? Why was it 98.7? If,
5: uh, if, if you watch, that comes from if you watch, uh, if you're watching like a, a sporting event, on your phone, on the ESPN app, it'll have uh, during the game while the scores going. No, like I, know where, I know where. I know
1: where you assert. I'm saying, but where did they? It's a made up number. Is what I'm these next gen yeah. next gen stats. They made that yep. shit completely up. It's yep. fucking. It's not reality. There's no way to quantify if the Bears had a 98.6 percent chance to win with two with with the 12 point lead. That's just completely made up. And and the thing with Martellus. Yeah, I get it. The Bears market, it their, market their past, but why wouldn't you if you were the oldest fucking franchise in the league? That doesn't mean they're not trying to win. They've got one of the newest style quarterbacks in the league in Justin Fields. They've got a, a team president and a general manager that both happen to be black. If they were stuck in the past, they would be hiring old white men. You can't say that the Bears aren't trying to win. Then maybe they're not winning. But you can't say the fuck everyone always says, Oh, the McCaskies have to sell because it sounds good. But they're trying to win. Maybe they do, maybe the Bears will be better off if they sell, but it doesn't mean that they're not trying that they're I, I just don't think that you can say that George McCaskey's not trying to win. And yeah, they market their past because they've been around since 1920. Why wouldn't you? All right. I got to
2: say this. I totally, totally agree with you, Dan Aguirre. I think that Martellus is way off base here. And first of all, for such a guy who was such a goofball in the National Football League. Since the very first time I saw him on Hard Knocks, when he was a member of the Dallas Cowboys and the tight ends coach, is giving him some instruction and he's looking at the camera and rolling his eyes, I knew this guy was a goofball. An incredibly, yeah. incredibly like- talented, yes, talented, creative guy. You know, come out with children's books and so forth. I totally like the guy, but he should not be offering public advice like this so let's start with bears ownership lacks futurism that's a artistic uh uh title for a stage and i wouldn't
5: have used that word either yeah
2: exactly well because he's an artist so he's using futurism in 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 the wrong way first of all futurism died decades ago it, well, had, it, it was uh, alive and vibrant for 10, 20 years, and it died. So it's ironic that he would choose that artistic phrase, futurism. So that's that's a mistake. Secondly, I have bought maybe, I don't know, a couple of things from the 85 Bears marketing, and it has nothing to do with that's the only thing this team is marketing. It's, it's bullshit. They're not using the 85 bears as a crutch not and that at least not in my eyes and, oh, yeah, and I'm yeah, with yeah, Dan agree. too that Justin Fields uh the the African American general manager and 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 vice president I mean that's yeah. futurism you know bringing yeah. in diverse thought when they went to a search committee to look for coaches they brought in a, a diverse search committee so I don't know what he's talking about hey, look here.
1: they hired Lovey in 04
2: yes I, I don't get what he's talking about. He's totally wrong. The problem with the Chicago Bears is that they have made bad hiring decisions with their yeah. head coaches and uh, some of the general managers. And yeah, some of the That's draft picks the-
1: didn't manifest into greatness.
5: Yeah. Right. I, don't, well, I that, don't get it. The people they hired to draft didn't draft well, mm-hmm. basically. You
2: know. I, I get it that he, he meant innovation. But, okay, so this is what happened. They hired Mark... Tressman to be the head coach because they thought he was going to bring an innovative. innovative style, right? And he was. That offense was one of the best offenses in the National Football League. But guys like Martellus Bennett took advantage of him and didn't allow himself to be coached by Mark Tressman, right. and so and, and so that was part of the problem. Yeah. It was fucking Martellus that was the problem, not the lack of innovation. If and Alshon if Jeffrey. Uh, right, if these if these players would have supported the innovative efforts by that nerdy-looking, stupid-ass coach, maybe we would have won games and gone into the playoffs. So I just think it's really bad—a bad look for Martellus to be telling people the Bears are this, the Bears are that. Fucking look in the mirror, dude. Look in the but, fucking mirror. Come on, this show, and tell us what you fucking really mean, because Bears, I don't Bears think
5: fans what, don't care what Martellus Bennett says. To be honest, yeah, I wish well, would have some
1: people. I think maybe he does have some kind of deep-rooted, like, you know, maybe there's something he felt that, like, maybe he was hurt, they didn't defend him somehow. Like, why? what's his motive? Because he said that they don't defend their players. Maybe he has some incident from, say, the 2014 season that he's salty about. Well, then lead with that. Use that as your example. Don't just beat around the bush and say, oh, well, you're taking these shots when it seems like you have a motive. Well, then tell us what your motive is, is what I'm saying. Maybe he's right, maybe he has a good reason to feel that way, and then maybe we can support his argument better.
2: Totally agree, totally totally been stoned, (laughs) (laughs) which he has been known to do.
1: And you know, the whole time that he was here, it was a couple years. His brother was constantly, you know how like recently uh, the, the guy digs and it was in Minnesota in Buffalo. His brother was uh, advocating for him to leave the bills after they lost to Denver. And he just said, oh, well, I can't control what my brother says. That's what Martellus did it. His brother that was with the Seahawks was constantly ripping Cutler, his mm-hmm. fucking quarterback. So he never stopped that. He, when you talk about, I liked Martellus. I thought he's a good player, but when you talk about poor team chemistry, he was a part of that. And like you said, we had a great innovative offense at the time, and he was a part of the demise of that offense. He you helped know, uh, bring the the culture down.
2: Yeah. See, uh, Ryan RK from the Barfly Tailgate Show is saying that he sorry he agrees with Bennett on this one. How many times have we said that this organization has an archaic way of thinking? I do agree with what you're saying there, Ryan. That this team, John Buffon describes it as the Bears run it like a, a, a like a ma and pa diner. But here they are. They just hired probably one of the hottest candidates for executive vice president that was available, and Kevin Warren, the guy built that the stadium that players say is the second best
1: place to play. According and to they're the trying NFL to get team. that stadium right now. Exactly. They're trying to get him to build us that same stadium, not exactly by... But they're innovative, trying to get a super stadium to host a Super Bowl, the NCAA. They're looking to make these options. I I feel like it's just easy to criticize the McCaskies, man. It's just something the Bear fans do.
2: Yeah. So I'm not quite agreeing with you there, RK, because I, I do think... That there have been changes. You know, it's like the old narrative. The Bears don't spend any money. What are you talking about? Guys, uh, spend, we spent money on Khalil yeah. Mack. we got Julius money Peppers. Yeah. Montez Sweat. You know, Jay Cutler. You can argue that it was, you know, maybe uh applied to the wrong players. That would be a legitimate argument, yeah. but that we don't They've spend They've tried money. to
5: spend to win. We put we put this back to breast six, seven years ago, although on the show. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, Lad says, although Warren is a stadium builder, not much of a strong football guy, and there is it, it, his resume doesn't have anything on it like I built a uh, nineteen blah, blah blah championship football team, the Vikings or anything. You're right about that. He was a Big Ten commissioner, but yeah. I, I gotta believe that this guy is a is a really good critical thinker, and that. There's a report out today, who was it, uh, Albert Breer, saying that uh, Warren was looking for more control over the football operations. And if that's true, I like it. I like the fact that your team president is coming in and challenging Ryan pose okay, you got these draft picks, this, this draft capital, what are you going to do with it? Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Why would you do this? Ask questions, challenge these guys, uh, and that he's not in that club of Ian and Ryan Pose. He's actually coming in and breaking the door down and saying, you got to convince me that you're doing the right thing, because if not, i got permission to replace you guys. That's a good adversarial working relationship that I hope that's what's going on. I can't say for any for any certainty that that's, that, that's what's going on. But I, I, I don't know, I just, I just I, when I read that from Martellus and then I read some of the comments under him, yeah, you're right, Martellus, and so forth. I'm like, is he really right? I, I, don't, I don't know.
1: Well, think about in 19 when the Bears had that, you know, the Bears 100 and brought the old players back. They were praised for that. They mm-hmm. were praised for that, for having that uh, that opportunity for the older players to come and meet the fans. And so it's just like, it's like, it's always a criticism for this and the criticism for that. It's always yeah. seemingly whatever those guys do, the McCaskies, they are criticized. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they don't deserve criticism. I'm not some apologist here. Yeah. But I'm just saying if they win, if they don't win, they do this. They If they try to bring the older players back, now they're not innovative. If they're trying to get a stadium that might require them to leave Chicago, then they're still the assholes. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. just like whatever they do, people just hate these guys. And it's malicious, I think.
5: Yeah. It's 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 been a lot of bad decisions after bad decisions, though. I think that's the frustration that's I agree that's been building up for a long time with embarrassment. I'm with you
2: there, Tooch. You know, and like the, the like Dan brought up the 100th uh, celebration. If we didn't do that, right, it would have – we would have been criticized. We would have criticized Bears ownership. Why didn't they bring all these people together? This is a great celebration. I know, Tooch, you were there. You yeah. had a great time despite the fact that they yeah. did fuck up things with the long lines and stuff. But you had a great time.
5: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, they, had brought, they brought the Bears Hall of Fame stuff there. You could walk mm-hmm. through all the busts uh, on loan, Uh I mean, uh, there were uh bar flies there. Uh, Joe Mandel, Greg Braggs, uh, man, there yeah. so, this same argument could be that.
1: used against the bulls now too. be like, Oh, all you talk about Jordan. I mean, yeah, you should fucking talk about Jordan until everybody dies. Okay. Like he yeah. earned that, that whole team, all six of those titles deserve reverence for the rest of everyone's existence in Chicago, period. Now, it, it, you could say that about the wolf. They haven't done shit since then. Derrick Rose was an MVP, but that's it. And then he got hurt. I mean, you can use this against any team. You can pick and choose for any team that hasn't won. I don't. Yep. What about the fucking Knicks? You know, a poor a team hasn't won in fifty years. You know they they get all this hostility too. Uh, and you know their owners constantly criticize. I'm just saying, it, it, winning cures everything. Totally. If we could just win, then the McCaskies wouldn't be so hated totally
2: agree. I, yeah. I, I just feel it was an un, unfair shot by Martellus. Uh, Mo Beerman says that Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, was happy to get rid of him because of the COVID thing. You know what? That's that's not quite true, Mo. My reading on this is that the Big Ten loved him because he made them tons of money. The TV contracts that he brought to the Big Ten – Unheard of. Unheard of. And now look at the Big Ten. They're becoming bigger than the SEC. He planted that whole fertile ground to bring in these Pac-10 schools. They loved him. All of those university presidents love him. And they were sad when he left. At least that's what they were publicly saying. And that's what also the spreadsheet said in the bottom line. That guy knew how to make money. Now, did he make mistakes with canceling the season too early? He was taking the advice of medical professionals, just like a lot of us were. And some of us got, you know, uh, immune shots when we didn't want to. You know, it was a fucked up time. Even President Trump at the time was, was, you know, pushing for the vaccine. Operation Warp Speed. Exactly. So, you know, who you can't blame anyone for that uh, neurovirus because it was a neurovirus. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. I remember at first when it came out, we were told not to go outside and breathe in the air.
7: It's like, yeah. what?
2: I gotta stay inside the rest of my life. Who's gonna get my groceries? It was a crazy time, so I don't blame uh, Kevin Warren for bad decisions that were made during COVID. A lot of people made bad decisions during COVID. Yeah, yeah but going
5: back to the Big Bears part, network, you know, Big Ten network now. Yeah, you're watching that's right. games on Big Ten. Huge.
1: Yep. It, it would be almost irresponsible uh, from a financial perspective for the Bears to not have some kind of marketing of the 85 team. As long as there are people that remembers the team, because I mean they they deserve all the press that they get. I mean, why would you not sell you know jerseys of Jim McMahon or Walter Payton or or Richard Dan or or whom Mike Singletary Dan Hampton? Why wouldn't you? When, yep. when every there's a market for it, and that's mm-hmm. not to say that that's at the expense of the younger fans because hell, we've all been to Soldier Field. You look around. I'm not going to say 100% of people are wearing jerseys, but goddamn, it's probably half, if not right. more. So right. there are people buying Justin Fields jerseys, uh, young, uh, other athletes. It's not just the 80s team. I just find that to be, again, just one of those like stereotypical criticisms that really don't hold a lot of merit. It's just easy to say, and people, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they, they talk too much about 85 because it just sounds good.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, I mean, but j- 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 I think j- I think
5: it stems from uh, uh, you know uh, it's been such a a culture of losing for a while. You know that uh, I agree with you. You know uh, people we, we want so desperately to uh, have that team of the future. You know, mm-hmm.
1: but, but are we mean, unique to that as others no, feel? No, yeah, yeah, like no. look at Don yeah, Burr. Like again, yeah. Detroit. Look how many, like I said earlier, I said it as a jab toward him, but they have won one playoff game since the 50s. I mean, mm-hmm. our our suffering as fans, we can't lose sight that there are other teams that also haven't won. Yeah. I mean, every, they're like the Browns. Look at like losing those AFC championship games and three of them, and, and they've never even made it to a Super Bowl. They lost their team to a and then oh, had to get so an so expansion bad. team. So there are a lot That's of awesome. other teams, other fans sitting around with sore from losing, too.
2: Yeah, I uh I I don't get it, you know. And so he's saying that young players can't relate to the Chicago Bears now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got George McCaskey, who's what in his seventies. I'm not, you know, is he that old? I, I'm, I'm guessing he's in his He late Certainly looks good
1: for his age. Yeah, yeah, he's got you know, his not, 70s.
2: He's not going to go out clubbing with Justin Fields. You know, that's that's not th- that type of ownership. You know, he's he's, he's not Jerry
1: Buss. <laughs>
7: yeah.
2: And I'm, you know, I see him out there with fans of all ages taking photographs with people. You know, yes, he wants to keep his base of people who are probably at season tickets for 30, 40, 50 years. He doesn't want to lose those people. For many reasons, especially the bottom line, uh, but I, I think it's just unfair to say that some, they're they're relying on the '85 Bears. That's just are the stupid. Raiders
1: are the Raiders relying on the '70s Raiders because mm-hmm. they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1983? Yeah, I right. mean we don't we're not hearing that criticism. Like, oh, they're just focused on Al Davis's legacy. You could you could mm-hmm. say that about any team that hasn't won recently. And when the in the coming years. How, how often are we going to hear that the Patriots, uh, oh, man, they're just stuck on Tom Brady's legacy and Bill Bell. I mean, because they're going to go a number of years probably without winning now. So right. it's just – it's it's low-hanging fruit, in my opinion. That's the only, And it, I, I just feel like it's the thing to say to get likes. Right. But I if he's got an explanation that says why I have all this resentment, then tell us, and then maybe we us. can agree with you.
2: Come on this show. We'll listen to you. <laughs> the, 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 remember the uh, other thing too about him was when he was a member of the Green Bay Packers, and as soon as Aaron Rodgers was injured, he wanted out. Cut. He he wanted
1: out. <laughs> he like he won a Super to... Bowl because of it, though. Yeah, he went, he to, went to the Patriots, and that was the twenty-eight to three Atlanta loss. Yeah. Imagine if you were a Falcons fan—you never even won the Super Bowl. You've lost two of them, and you had a twenty-eight to three lead. How salty <laughs> are they for a winner?
2: Yeah. Well, and the team that he won a Super Bowl with, the Patriots, they're not going to win another Super Bowl for decades. That's what I was you just can... saying.
1: why are they going? And in five, ten years, they're going to be like, "Why are you so stuck on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick?" That's what I was just saying because gotcha. that's going to be their legacy. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Kraft doesn't want to win. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, New England should sell Tom Brady jerseys for, for till the end of fucking time. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's like the same reason the Bulls are still selling Jordan gear. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah.
2: The other thing I, I wanted to get your opinion with, Tucci, you got a final thought on this? Because I wanted to talk about Carissa Thompson. Oh.
5: Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, uh, martel's Bennett wasn't saying that uh, we, they should stop selling, mm-hmm. you know, Walter Payton jerseys and Ditka jerseys and all that stuff. Uh, I think uh, the greater point maybe we should take from this is that we, you know, we got to jump into the future. We got to hire, you know, a, we hired vanilla, like I said, one scoop of vanilla in a kitty. Cat. But
1: wasn't Matt Nagy supposed to be futuristic too, like a, a genius of offensive, of the way the league was turning, and supposed the same thing to be with, an offensive guru, right? That's with like, Tressman, so they've but, taken chances to hire. They've hired innovative, what was but, described as innovative coaches at the time. But
5: who were the idiots that said Nagy was an offensive guru, though? That's
1: what I want to know. No, I agree, <laughs> but that was the prevailing thought from a lot of it people. Was. It was, uh, and, and when we hired. Had... Co- he did win Coach of the Year. Right, and when we hired
2: Dave that, he was the hottest, the right. hottest coaching candidate out there. Because yeah. they had just know?
1: won the Super Bowl, uh, and a lot of that was with his defense yeah. in Dallas.
2: Yeah, yep. I think they've just been really fucking unlucky. Yeah. you know, bad they, yeah. they, they, decision they, after bad decision. Right. So,
1: well, Minnesota, like, look at Minnesota. They haven't gone to a Super Bowl since eleven. <laughs> about since about- eleven, and <laughs> are we sitting around saying, you know, they still talk about the purple people eaters? Yeah. Yeah, are we they saying should. we, can, we yeah. can use the same argument against the Vikings or any team that hasn't won? It's bullshit, man. Yeah, you, you totally, can't totally forget history.
2: I mean, can't do it. And, and, and if it sells, fuck. If a fucking Sid Luckman jersey sells, you sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's a demand for something.
1: Yeah, uh, Gail Sayers, Dick Butkus, even though they sure. they both have passed on now. Even and it's not like because they died that suddenly their gear is being purchased because people would buy those jerseys that weren't even alive when yeah. Butkus and Sayers were playing in the 60s. And the, but that gear has a market. hmm Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, Carissa Thompson, um, yeah. she came out. She was on a podcast over at Barstool Sports. And she's Sports.
1: run from these comments too, by the way. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, go,
2: go ahead. Tell us the story. Set it up for us, uh, Dan yeah.
8: uh,
1: So I don't know the name of the show she was on. I've seen it on Twitter. Art, my pod- take. Okay. So she's on, pardon my take, and basically says when she was young on the sidelines that she would just make shit up if she couldn't get a coach to talk or she didn't have the time to even make the effort to ask them to talk. She would say, she would speak in cliches on things that the team wouldn't denounce, like, oh, we need to be better on third down or uh, we, we have to make, the, we have to get a stop there or whatever it is. She would say something that had no substance to it that it would just sound like what they said, and she wasn't even trying, but she would get praised for her reporting when she was just making shit up. But but they wouldn't dispute it because it was lazy, just, oh, we got to get a stop there. It was just cliche. She was, wasn't was saying anything of substance. So the team wouldn't say, oh, we didn't say that because, you know, it was just bullshit is what I'm saying. You get my point? Absolutely.
2: So and one example that she had, and I think that she shared this uh, a year ago, because this is the second time she's come forward with these comments, a year ago on her podcast with Aaron Andrews, and Aaron Andrews admitted that she too had made up some things, but uh, Carissa Thompson said that she was interviewing a coach who we learned, later have found was Rod Marinelli, Marinelli former Bears, Bears coach. Bears, D.C. And uh, – Detroit Lions head coach. And apparently she asked him questions and Marinelli started talking about her perfume and how good it smelled. So she made up quotes for him. Well, here's the problem. Carissa doesn't realize and doesn't understand that she's a journalist. And so that's what she should have said. She should have said, I asked head coach Rod Marinelli about his defense, but he didn't care to answer. He had other thoughts on his mind. Something like that. Or if you want to tell exactly what happened, then then drag him under the bus and say, he's talking about my perfume. You're a journalist. You're supposed to tell the truth. And the reason that I got real emotional when I saw that is journalism in America and really throughout the world is just taking a fucking beating. You know, all of this fake media stuff, all of this fakes, st- you know, there's, there's actually organized campaigns to try to make old media, traditional media look like they're making shit up. And here, it is, here she is admitting that she's part of the problem. And that's not good. We have got to, as a country, as a people, we have got to get to, to a place where we start trusting media because they've earned our trust. With honesty, I remember when Brian Williams was suspended by NBC News because he said, yeah, I was on a plane, and we were shot and fired on, and one of the cameramen told somebody, that, that, that didn't fucking happen. And so they suspended uh, Brian Williams from NBC News. I thought at the time they should have fired that motherfucker because how can now you believe anything he says? They did just put like- him on
1: at 11 o'clock on MSNBC. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so they gave him another <laughs> job, right. So that was just the, the height of poor management you know journalism I, I, I have a certain respect for it because i worked for about a dozen years in the world of journalism and i and and as a kid i would buy the newspaper and read about watergate then turn to the sports pages and just devour all this stuff and here is somebody admitting yeah it's all fucking lies we make shit up and stuff it's like uh, carissa and, and and i've always been a fan of hers cuz she's She's such an engaging, good broadcasting personality. See,
1: I don't, there's a reason I didn't like her. Again, she was popping up on Fox Sports Ohio years ago during the oh. Reds games. And it was like, I'll use a more specific example here, the modern, to illustrate the point. When she started getting on Fox, not so much of like on the sideline, but Suddenly they would put her in the studio. Let's say we're watching the Bears in Detroit and they're like, oh, let's go to Tampa Bay and see, uh, you know, Brady's throwing a touchdown or whatever. Right. And they have someone in the studio showing you that update. Well, after James Brown left, what's his name? The big guy that does uh, uh, Kurt Menefee. Kurt Menefee does the studio reports and has been doing them since JB went to CBS again. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, instead of Kurt Menefee doing it, it's got to be Clarissa Thompson doing every other one. It's like she's eye candy. So they put her on there because she's pretty. They did that same thing on Fox Sports Ohio when suddenly like instead of having Jim Day give you the info, the job he's been doing, they'll do Cla- have Clarissa Thompson do it. I mean, to me, she's always been forced on the TV because of her appearance. I'm not saying she's an idiot, or something, but I felt like she's been forced on people just because she's pretty and didn't have a lot of substance. So I kind of resented that the same thing with Aaron Andrews. For years, Pam Oliver was the number one sideline reporter for Fox. She started ESPN, worked her way up, and they as soon as Aaron Andrews left ESPN, they they demoted Pam Oliver because she doesn't look like a Barbie doll. And mm-hmm. Aaron Andrews gets that Barbie doll Clarissa Thompson break. Because the way they look and it doesn't matter what they're saying. Pam, it was Pam Oliver's gig and she deserved to maintain it. But because she doesn't look like a Barbie, she lost her gig. That to me is, I resent that. Clarissa Thompson doesn't deserve to be where she's at. And she shouldn't be allowed to be on Amazon after that. She's lost all of her fucking, she never had any substance anyway. I thought, and, and now she's a liar. So why, I mean, I, I would fire her if I was Amazon. Well,
2: I, I, I'm not going to argue with any of what you said because I think it's all true. But and I actually went and looked at her resume, her bio, uh, when this controversy popped up, and she's never achieved a, a degree in journalism. She went to college for like history or something like that. So, so she was never taught the ethics of journalism, and so maybe she learned them on the job and so forth. If she did, she wasn't. She, she never executed those ethics of journalism and, and there's no doubt you know that she's a gorgeous woman and that putting her on the air is great for those of us who like uh looking at beautiful women uh, holding a microphone but i always thought that she was just a good person Broadcast personality, and like Colin Coward is. I'm not going to believe anything Colin Coward says, but from a, from a broadcasting standpoint, he's articulate. He, you know, he's got a nice pacing rhythm to his his you know to his his, his articulations. So I,
8: Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is priceless. <laughs>
1: are his teeth really that gapped in the middle I don't I
8: don't think so right? think so
1: I think, so. I think that, that I've seen that picture so many times that it's got to be Photoshopped.
7: <laughs> I've, I've never seen
2: that picture that's
5: oh that's Shane, really... Shane.
1: Shane tweets that all the time color oh, really?
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> someone yeah. put the gap in his teeth though
1: you know? <laughs> yeah but his teeth do not look like that
2: I love it anyways toot you got any thoughts on the Carissa Thompson deal
5: I mean look uh I think that uh the media uh devolving from truth once in a while uh became more prevalent with the, the the more popular the internet became the more uh easier it was for you know uh stories for written for clickbait to uh, uh populate you know the uh the collective uh consciousness so <laughs> that's that's it you know i mean uh it, it used to be when when aldo and i were kids you could trust you know, a, uh, but corporations
1: a, didn't own the networks. Uh, there.
5: Jacobson and Bill, yeah, Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson, yeah, you could – trust those guys to deliver yeah. story. Journalism you know? was
2: part of the public trust. It was yep. part of the commons. You know, they they, they were a loss leader. CBS would lose uh, money on their CBS News World Walter Cronkite, but they did it because they knew it was important to keep the nation informed. And now everything is $4, and so yep. you get all this bullshit stuff. There's no there, doubt about
5: there's it. A, there's money, money influence, you know, that drives a certain news story or narrative. But, uh, I go back to something my dad always used to say. If you can never figure out the reason, the answer is always money.
2: There you go. He's a smart man. By the way, do any of you guys know the actor Brent Sexton?
1: No.
5: I think so. I think so.
1: Doesn't he look
5: just like Johnny Santucci? <laughs> look at that. I got a little more hair than him. I though. think he looks like <laughs> Carol O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, Really? But little young, young Carol <laughs> O'Connor.
2: I just when Tooch looked to his right shoulder, I, I, I thought immediately of Brent Sexton and I'm I'm thinking to myself, that they're like
5: wins,
0: man.
1: <laughs> so you're Good saying Toots is like all-in-the-family uh, shit, then. He's De Niro. Just...
5: Robert De Niro. Right. You know De Niro.
2: <laughs> well, you Ooh, do look like you. a part De Niro, part Brett <laughs> Sexton, a couple of other people. Guess Guy I saw Ooh. in a gay porn movie. Maybe. Ron Jeremy
8: is a nomad. <laughs> the, <pointed> hedgehog. <laughs> the hedgehog.
1: <laughs> oh.
7: uh, All right, guys. Yeah, uh, I want to ask
5: you guys uh, one quick question because Please. uh uh my theme uh bear state of affairs was basically and uh, uh Adam rank tweeted out something like something like this but uh I don't think uh Justin fields is as much uh auditioning as much as it is the coaching staff auditioning to be Justin's coach I saw you know? that. because it. uh uh I think uh I think Justin we saw we've seen this game. Last week was basically uh, where the hell's this been all year? You know, Correct. look at this man opening drive, a seventy-five yard drive to open the game. You know, uh, it, the the Commanders game was was a dominant game. You know, we we were almost there with the the, the Broncos game. You know, but uh, the Bears coaching staff is like I've said for quite a while that I thought they're in over their heads. You know, mm-hmm. with uh, in the National Football League, just not equipped to uh, uh, to combat the level of other coaches, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on uh, whether or not you think uh, the next six six games are more uh, an evaluation of the coaching staff than an evaluation of Justin Fields after Sunday.
2: Go ahead, Dan.
1: <laughs> of course, you deferred to me on that one. <laughs> all right, uh, can you? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I, I feel yeah. like. Uh, stockdale uh Perot's running mate I didn't have my hearing aid turned on uh, after,
5: after Sunday I, I got the feeling that uh it wasn't so much Justin auditioning anymore than it was the coach uh, coaches auditioning to be Justin Field's coach
1: I mean they're they are inter- intertwined I, I believe so I mean Justin still has everything to gain or lose I mean depending yeah. it's not fair because it, yeah. there's 10 other players on the field. At, in the Bears' uniform at the same time that he's there, but again, if he let's say he would go zero six, you know they're gonna be like ah Justin six and forty nine or whatever it is at that point as a starter that does follow him, but or let's say he loses the next three and then sweeps Arizona and Atlanta and Green Bay at the end, they're gonna be like yeah, but you lost the ones like Cleveland and Detroit and Detroit and Minnesota the tough games. So it perception is reality. So he just, he has to win games. The coaches, it's a different, you know, they're connected to him too. But for Justin, the Bears have to win for him to get some recognition to keep his job. That's mm-hmm. not right, but that is, perception is reality.
2: I have to say this. I am absolutely certain that if the season were to end tomorrow, Matt Eberflus would be fired tomorrow, I am and ab- rightfully so. Yes, yeah. I am absolutely certain of this. I have um, a, I have some information that is pointing towards there being a major overhaul with this coaching staff at the end of the season. That's all. I, I thought I you were going to and- tell me
1: after the uh, going into the bye week. I was going to be like, yes.
2: <laughs> well, I wouldn't rule that out of the question. I wouldn't rule that out of the question at all. You know, so if they were to make a move like that, Tooch, Dan, what would you do? Who you know, because my thinking is okay, so you Move in maybe Borganzi, the linebackers coach, the head coach, like they did with the Raiders. Antonio Pierce has moved in, and he's injected some enthusiasm and confidence into that team, and they're winning. Borgonzi isn't that guy, but you know, you bring in a guy who is smart and and maybe can do some things. Bring him in. You you name Phil Snow, who was hired as the senior defensive analyst. Bring him in to be the DC, and you. I guess you have to keep the offensive coordinator for the next five games, but what do you guys think? If, if the bears, you know, lose badly at Minnesota on Monday night football, national TV, and, and it's before a bye, that he has to fire him. Right.
1: I hope think? it doesn't happen in hindsight after you're saying that, because I want them to beat Minnesota. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm not rooting for his demise, I guess, in that uh, regard.
2: What do you think? Tuch? I, you
5: know, past uh history would tell us that the bears usually do things after the season you know mm-hmm. and, uh, uh will be launched uh i think i man I, I would lose all face faith in Ryan Poles if he doesn't fire Iberflus after the season i mean after after i just gave you like four his three historic collapses they're all He's, he's lost four giant leads in, in his first season and a half. And he hasn't
1: looked, won a divisional game He Hasn't yet.
5: won a division game. <sighs> Not he two hasn't in a row back, either. He hasn't won back-to-back games either.
1: Unbelievable.
5: So, I mean, uh, what does that say about Ryan Poles if he doesn't fire him, you know?
2: Uh, I, I got to believe I, – I, I know those those guys aren't going to be around for the next season, but I, I I think it could happen after the Vikings game because it's the perfect time to do it, you know? So what, ha- what happens? Do you send a bad signal to future head coaches to say, well, why, why would I want to come to the Bears and they're going to be firing coaches and uh, and not let them play out the season? Or do you send a really good message to the team and say, guys, we're going to clean house. We're going to get this fucking thing done. We, I know, Ryan Post, I know you guys are upset with the head coaches. That's one of the reasons. Reasons why
1: I'm firing this motherfucker. I mean, the Raiders—they fired a big name coach. I mean, I don't know if he should have a big name, but McDaniel's is a name because of his tenure with the Patriots and a lot he, of money. And he's had two shitty uh, attempts at coaching in Denver and and Oklahoma, or Las Vegas. Oh, so, man. I mean, and they made the move. So if they could fire him, Iberflus—who's Iberflus? Eberflus? I'm not going to say he's a bum, but my, he's not a big name coach at all. Mm-hmm. So, if the Raiders can make that move, I mean, why can't the Bears?
2: Yep. Uh, we'll see if we can get it out of him tomorrow, uh, Laz. <laughs> Gabriel talks football tomorrow. Special time at 11 a.m. Central. Yep. That's all I'll say. Yep. All right. Swipe, go ahead. Uh, one last thought on this. I want to make sure we get this in before we quit the show.
5: I mean, I'm with you, Aldo. he, I, I think they'll launch him after the season, but they never should have hired him in the first place because it was the most <laughs> uninspiring hire. What?
7: I'm of a head you,
5: coach that I I was like Eber, who the hell is this guy I never heard mm-hmm. of him you know how, yeah. how how do we how do we decide on this guy
2: mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you swanky uh though asked one of the best questions ever posed uh during this show he says guys who was your favorite tony soprano oh i already know my sp- answer i know your answer it's always let me- Annabella
5: sicora right
2: so <laughs> you got it <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, uh, I think this is her. This is a photo. Oh, man. Dan's oh, gonna my gosh.
5: That's yeah. Gloria
1: on the show. Yeah. She ends up hanging herself, if you don't know. yeah, uh, I, I would have hanged myself just to have one night of fucking with her. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you know this one? Oops. I don't remember Do you know- that one. Really? Oh, Is that the Russian she was- lady? She was, uh, yeah, the Russian lady. Uh, okay, that yeah, one- that's
1: earlier in the show, yeah.
2: Yeah. Actually, no. She was the Cuban-Italian that was uh, – she was also da- dating uh, Ralph Cifaretto.
1: Oh, so it's like, yeah, I love him. I love uh, Ralphie, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is, I think, the first mistress they showed on the show, maybe the first. Mm. Uh, her name was uh, Irina. Irina, was it? Yeah.
1: Uh, Don't forget <laughs> the lady he fucked with the one leg. <laughs> oh, that's this one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty hot, too. <laughs> Carmella was upset about that one.
2: Yeah. Can you believe her? That was Lana Karolinko. <laughs> but it's got to be. It's
1: got to be. Uh, are hot. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Uh,
2: here's my favorite. It's uh, Sonia. Look at her. Gorgeous. This woman. Yes. Is.
1: <laughs> to me, oh. the hottest ladies on the show are Annabella, Ciara, and. The, uh, Dre, uh, that played, uh, Adriana.
2: Diamato. Am- yeah.
1: Yeah. She, she played Adriana. Great. God damn. Christopher's man. I would I'd have left with her. Fuck. I'd have gone into did Ray Liotta on Goodfellas and left with her. That's if I could change anything on the Sopranos, I would have, I wouldn't <laughs> want, uh, Silvio to kill Adriana. I want Christopher to leave with her. That's the only thing I really, really was upset about. I think.
2: Do you agree with Mr. Mayhem when he says the Sopranos is an overrated show?
1: Absolutely not.
2: Absolutely not. I agree with Dan. What do you think, Tooch? I haven't watched it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, I, I wasn't into watching series back then. It was the first series ever. I lost, you know, I, I wasn't watching. <laughs> I'm fired now, I think, uh, Dan. <laughs> No more Bears, David man
1: Bears. that is something you should you should binge though for real yeah
5: yeah i'll try I'm, I'm so busy with everything
1: well you know the show ended in 2007 you've had time yeah
5: yep. <laughs> 16 years
1: <laughs> exactly and it started in 99 so you you've had yeah. some time there aldo 90, just said, Fuck it. Was,
5: was a rough time from 99 to like 2003 it was like a really rough time for me i was going through a divorce and uh, uh we all child, know how bad those are. Child custody battle, and ended up, you know, be, be then becoming a single parent to a two and a half year old boy. You know, so it was a rough time. I didn't have any time back then. I know.
2: Hold on a second. You said you what? I
5: haven't seen you it. I know. You said you what? <laughs> 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 I've only I've only seen the uh the Sopranos porn movie I was in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Spornos. <laughs>
5: yeah, the the <laughs> supportos
2: with <George. laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh Larry says, I believe Annabella appears naked in the movie The Hand That yeah,
1: Wraps the I Think clothing.
5: So yeah.
1: I gotta go uh, back and watch that one. I missed yeah, one. it. Yeah, it, it, uh, it had uh the girl from uh, Risky Business had mm-hmm. Annabella's yeah, uh, kid uh, breastfeeding from her in it. Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca
2: De Mornay, yeah. Didn't you see uh recently Dan, um Jungle Fever with Annabella?
1: Yeah, I'd watched it when it was new, uh, but I hadn't watched it in like 30 years. And it was a different perspective of seeing it. Uh, When I was a kid, I just thought, my God, this this lady's so hot. But as I watched it as an older guy, I pretty much was just like overwhelmed with like complimenting the scene where Samuel L. gets killed in his mom's arms. I thought that that was like great acting across the board. Yeah, for sure.
2: All right, guys, uh, last 10 minutes, I want to go around because I want to mm-hmm. get out of here at 10.30 just when Dan yeah. does as well. Uh, uh, Tooch, your final thoughts, uh, any advice for us in the gambling area, anything uh, you want to finish the show with?
5: Man, uh, uh, well, uh, last Friday, uh, the sh- uh, weekend sports betting tips were 4-0. So, yep, 4-0 awesome. Yeah, You're
2: going to do and- a show tomorrow?
5: uh thursday the guys want to do some uh thanksgiving day uh betting tips Nice. it's actually sean's idea look at that wanted to uh uh, do some so uh is it fairly open yeah last i had arizona wildcats it was like 21 nothing after the first quarter arizona versus utah nice I, i love it when it's that easy but uh i've been doing i'm 20 i was Thirty-nine and twenty-nine to start the college basketball season, which is pretty tough at the beginning of college basketball. Love college basketball. <laughs> Sorry, I
1: laughed at Zach's comment. I apologize for interrupting. Yeah, yeah.
2: don't bet on the fucking
1: Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
5: uh, Anthony gave out uh, on his card was uh, Bears first half plus five and a half. That was a winner. That was a winner. So, uh, you can you can uh, Bears overs too are kind of a, a claw in there too. If, uh, so two ch-
2: when Darnell Wright kicked the ball out of the end zone, and it was a safety. Who did that benefit, uh, people who bet on the Lions to cover or the Bears to cover? How how did that work?
5: Uh, The over definitely helped the over.
2: Ah, I think we
5: finished with, what, uh, 26? We were way over, so 57 points. I think it was 49-and-a-half or 47-and-a-half was the total. Mm We went over there. And then uh, uh, the Bears covered. I think it was Lions minus seven and a half. so it didn't uh but yeah god that was so painful that last two two uh two points you know (laughs) i still thought we could get a field
1: goal attempt i i was watching i was like we're gonna get in field goal range i really believed it
2: i thought so too Dan. yeah i god i don't have anything
5: for tonight i haven't i haven't looked i was i was too busy writing Bear's state of affairs last last like wants uh wants another pick
2: well follow uh chat John Santucci V I P on the yep. X machine and uh he will be he does these great things where if you retweet and follow him, he'll send yep. you some uh free picks and 90% of the time they're winners. So that's the best way to stay on top of that.
1: Dan, yep. uh any final thoughts, brother? I watched a Scorsese movie last night that I had never Ooh. seen in my entire life. What's I a going? two and a half hour movie. Ooh. And It ends with Daniel Day-Lewis walking away and not giving me the ending I want. I was so pissed off. The Age of Innocence. The Age of Innocence.
2: Oh, with uh, Winona Ryder.
1: And Michelle Pfeiffer. So his character falls in love with Michelle Pfeiffer, but eventually, because of circumstances, they can't get together because the family will cut her off or Mm -hmm. having a divorce. He ends up settling for Winona Ryder. Mm -hmm. And he ends up being a good dad, and he doesn't cheat. He lets it go, but Winona Ryder knows that's who he really loves. So on her deathbed, she tells her her son, "When I'm gone, hook them up." Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. So mm-hmm. the son, Robert Sean Leonard, I think is his name, the the guy uh, that playing the character, takes him to where she lives in like France or wherever, and. Mm-hmm. You're outside. He's, she's upstairs. She's waiting on you. You're 57 now. Mom says this is who you've always loved. You deserve it. So he starts to envision them as young, a young couple hitting on her and the way he lusted after her. And he gets up and he walks away. And the music comes in as if it's triumphant, like triumphant, like, like he like he just won the game. He just clinched the world, the pennant or something. Like, it's just amazing this ending. He's walking, but he fucking leaves the girl. And that's the ending? I watched this for two and a half hours, and that's what you give me? <laughs> Why did I watch this? <laughs> I, a- I, I, Scorsese deserves. I, I looked at its Wikipedia. It's like, oh, it, it came out to critical acclaim. Okay. Was anyone else like mad about this ending? It. I would like to see it now, though, but. The I ending. saw it when it
2: was first released and I don't remember the ending. So I'll The ending is enough to make
1: you punch your hole I, through the wall.
5: <laughs> I ended up watching a couple movies recently and they were both by William Friedkin because I, I, I had watched one called Sorcerer. I don't know if you know that one. It's yeah, I watched that with it.
1: Aldo. That's, I watched it with yes, Aldo.
5: Killer, yes. Just yeah. killer. The acting was fantastic. Roy Scheider. Yes, and if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It's just awesome. Yes. And it then, cool. uh, the Cane- I watched that with Cane- Aldo Cane- and
2: John Buffon. That's right. The uh, three yeah. of us watched
5: it. Yeah, <laughs> how about that movie. for a threesome? <laughs> then, I, I, Aldo told me to watch the Cane Mutiny, so I watched it. I enjoyed it with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, and at the end, movie. it says directed by William Friedkin. Yeah, I was right. like, wow. You know, it blew it, my mind. His last
2: movie. Um, yeah. Great movie. We, we should too. talk more about that next week. Yeah. Bear Truth Nine has an interesting question. Who is the better actor, Denzel or Al Pacino?
1: That's tough. They're
2: both so good, though. They are good, right?
1: That's tough. I, I will say, I look. I love Denzel Washington. All right. So do
0: I. I, I even Denzel. like
1: his son, John David Washington, as well. But I like Pacino's movies overall better. Like the, his 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 uh, pile of work, if his filmography. All right. all I think right. he's been in better movies that I've enjoyed more than Denzel. That's a personal opinion. That's not a shot at Denzel at all. So that's the only way I would say I would choose Al. But if someone tells me Denzel's the guy, how could I go against that? I love Denzel Washington.
5: What's the recent series that Denzel's done where he's kind of like a super spy? I forget. I saw the most recent one. It was really good. Uh, It takes place in a small town in Italy on the Adriatic.
2: Yeah, let me get you that. uh, What is the
5: name of that series? Really great. I just saw the most recent one. It was excellent.
1: uh, Equalizer.
5: Equalizer. Equalizer three.
1: Yes. I watched part one. There's yeah. four of those, I think. Is it three? Yes. I think
5: there's three. Let's I thought see, there's yeah, four. There is, is there four? Uh, I think there three.
2: is three. Oh, yeah, I the, th- there the
1: was
5: third fourth. one is it was out just this past year. Yeah,
2: twenty twenty
5: three. Yeah, yeah. It, I just watched that one. It was excellent. Mm. I
1: yeah. watched that movie you told me about, Aldo, the Todd mm. Killers or whatever it was. Yeah, the Todd Murders or Todd killers? Murder. The Todd
2: killers. The Todd Killers.
1: Yeah, I. Do you have time to talk about this real quick? What, yeah. What is this? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a 1971 movie, low budget, but at the time something was happening in Hollywood where actors were, you know, I think there was a strike or something going on. Actors were in desperate need of work. And so this director, uh, a story kind of loosely based on kind of Charles Manson or some other serial killer, he got a great cast going. What did you think of the movie,
1: Dan? Uh, well, some of the criticism that I I was trying to read more of an interpretation of the ending uh, that other people had. A lot mm-hmm. of people were upset saying that like when he choked out the girl the young girlfriend because she kept saying I could ruin you or whatever which right. again the, the the real guy this apparently really happened this serial killer in the 60s I, I had never heard of him but I read his history. they really paraphrased from the real murders that this guy had committed. So the story is almost the same but it looks so bad when he was choking her and they didn't the beginning of it starts with them burying someone and not showing you the murder there either so right. the criticism from a lot of people was it's like 2 hours of flat nothing happening so mm-hmm. i it, i mean there's no payoff or anything so mm-hmm. i could see that point i personally some of it i enjoyed seeing like again it's 70 that's when my dad my dad would have just graduated high school so just mm-hmm. hearing them talk about you know vietnam or the music the, the zeitgeist of that era i was interested in how teenagers hung out then you know and it wasn't always just about protesting vietnam or something right. so just seeing that aspect pretending that i was like my dad's age at the time i thought was fun and fascinating but i thought the ending was really weak i, I agree with you it i just i, I just sh- showed his face and then like paused and then the credits rolled right what is it trying I, to convey there?
2: You had mentioned that you've been watching some '70s movies because you kind of like that era, and so I thought that uh, that's why I recommended the movie to you. And you know, the, the cast is really fascinating. Like Richard Tooch, Richard Thomas, John Boy. He's yeah. this is his first movie before he did The Waltons. He's in this movie in in, in a major role. And dare too. I
1: say, he actually seems cool in it.
2: He does. He was did a really nice job. And he didn't come off at all like John Boy, I'll tell you that. He no, that's like, what
1: I'm saying. He has charisma, like he gets a lot of pussy, even the, yeah. v- albeit underage pussy. But still. <laughs> that's, now, right. it, what, that's one of the things I was going to say. Not that I'm saying, Aldo, you're an old man, so you tell me. <laughs> but was fucking younger girls like something It wasn't that much of a big deal in 70? Because it oh. just seemed like everybody knew that he was doing it in the town and nobody gave a shit.
2: Yeah, it was not as big a deal. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know... Years, even years before that, Johnny Lee Lewis, the rock and roll star, was dating a 14 year old. His Elvis cousin, Presley,
1: his cousin, right? That Winona Ryder played in the movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, Elvis Presley started dating a 15, 16 year old. So it was uh, pre- prevalent uh as far into the 70s and i think it was probably in the late 70s when uh late uh when gloria Steinem, you know started giving voice to women's rights and and pointing out some of the uh, that this stuff was basically rape and it was i mean uh, there were state laws against it so but everybody got away with it back then and everybody turned turned a blind eye to it to it so definitely
1: what do you think the ending was trying to say it's like like uh, the younger people are like shocked because they, I guess they see the remains of their friend mm-hmm. and they start to walk away and then it shows his face and then it stops. I mean, is that supposed to symbolize maybe his lack, like before he sort of have a, had a control over the young people and now they're leaving and that's, he's recognizing that his, his uh pull over these people are, is, is dissipating. That's the only that, thing I can come up with.
2: Well, that, that in, and you know, it was, uh, here's our hero. Here's a guy that helped us get laid, who gave us uh, access to alcohol and drugs and so forth. And it turns out that he's an asshole. We're, we're des- disillusioned. And it sort of was that, that era of the 1970s where there was a lot of disillusionment. Early 70s, there was a lot of dis- disillusionment going on with the establishment. And so you here you had this rebel leader guy, t- kind of guy and they find out that he's kind of in that in in that same vein you can't trust anybody do you remember
1: the scene where his attorney told him like this is what we'll do we'll cut your sins if you'd show him where the bodies are and we'll make you like a guy that comes out yeah that says like i fell into this lifestyle i thought that that's where it was gonna go by by him showing where the bodies are to somehow make him a victim out of it Mm -hmm. That society sort of made him who he was but they cut it short
2: yeah they did cut it short um i you know i I don't know. I, I think there was a little choppiness towards the movie, so I wonder if they left some scenes in the editing room floor as as they usually do with these low-budget films, things that just don't work out. But I just I just love the era. I love the look of the film um, and, and the cast I thought was great. Ed Asner is in it. <laughs> I didn't know like, why,
1: why, why it was called the Todd murders either like what was the significance of Todd
2: uh, I read something I think in Wikipedia what was the significance of that but I'm forgetting what it was But if you, if anyone is interested, it was okay. It
1: was okay, though. Yeah,
2: it's definitely not a great movie. But if you are interested in that era of filmmaking and looking at actors from that era, uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's a forgotten movie. A lot of people have never heard of it, and I just came across it recently on Turner Classic Movies. Uh, BT9 says, "Okay, Aldo fellows, what makes Denzel a good actor? When you describe Denzel as an actor." What would you say? I'll start first on this. I think it's his range. I think he can play the janitor in in a movie. I think he he can play the the tough cop, the crazy psycho cop. He can play a
1: foreigner. He can play Malcolm X.
2: Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, the Malcolm X performance is superb. This is good.
1: As good as he was as Malcolm X is as bad as Will Smith was as Muhammad Ali. I thought Will Smith as Muhammad Ali is the worst historical performance I've ever seen anyone play as someone famous.
2: I'd have to watch that again. It was sort of on, and I didn't really pay close attention to it. So um, I, I'm not surprised. You know, I think Will Smith started off as a good actor, and I think he got too full of himself, and. Uh, but uh denzel is is fucking great there's no doubt i like
1: john david washington too his son
2: yeah another good actor what do you think think about uh denzel do you got any thoughts on what makes him an interesting actor
5: i mean he's like a natural you know you always like believe he's the character you know you don't think you know he's able to help you suspend disbelief you know and he's he's smooth you know i mean uh uh, and very uh, uh you know his movements his delivery his facial movements his eye movement i look a lot you know a lot a lot of uh actors uh uh when they don't have lines you, you watch uh their facial expressions you know mm-hmm. and to me that uh uh goes a long way with me you know it's like how they just act without saying anything mm-hmm. you know that he's very truth
2: nine has the final question and i uh does yeah. your wife or significant other have to like movies to have a happy marriage or relationship, Dan.
1: <laughs> my current girlfriend uh couldn't tell me what movie I showed her recently that she didn't like. I mm-hmm. think it was to live and die in LA that she was falling asleep on. That she's oh, like, I yeah. don't remember what it was. Great
5: movie, William Friedkin.
1: Yeah, but yeah, if, no. she, if she's not, I'm gonna be boring the shit out of her then because if she's gonna be with me, she's gonna be watching fucking movies, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to me, uh definitely has because my wife does not like watching sports you know she'll watch a game from time to time and then i'll i'll give her storylines and she gets into it but for the most part if i've got a game on she's going to go watch dateline another murder episode and, and i think she's figuring out a way to kill me to keep going gun- <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: everyone think it's his arm it's his arm <laughs> yeah. <to kill> <laughs>
2: that's right but uh she and i like movies and, and really love movies uh Tooch, what about your wife
5: uh, does she like sports or she loves she loves it all? And my uh, my wife loves basketball, really. So she's a big basketball fan. She's just kind of learning how to uh, watch football. Still. Is she a movie buff? Well, she love yeah movies, TV shows. Yep, loves it. Nice. That's, her, that's our that's like her and I favorite thing to do. As soon as the kids we get the kids put down, oh, we can finally watch a movie. You know, yeah. So I
1: hope your I wife know. looks at you one day and says, uh, "John, I don't know what she calls you. I, I assume she doesn't call you Tooch." No. <laughs> oh, she looks at you and says, John, my favorite NBA player of all time is Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Oh
8: well, I
5: mean, right, they the Philippines, they love basketball.
8: Oh yeah. Does she like uh, Manny? Does Philippine she like Manny basketball. Pacquiao? Oh f-
5: yeah, she loves love Pacquiao as yep. a fighter.
10: Love everybody Pacquiao. it's
5: like their national hero. Right, but right. No, I, I was uh, there, there's a so last time I went to the Philippines, uh I, I kind of like got uh a, a sense a realization of just how important basketball is to uh filipinos because uh uh i had uh we went to we went to an island we like to take the ferry from my wife's hometown over to a remote island called sharga which is like the surfing capital it's a small the towns are real small and at one of the town uh there, it's like a beachfront town called general luna and uh we were just going to the wet market to get some stuff for we, we had rented a you know, uh, someone's guest house, in that, you know, kitchen. So we're cooking our own food in there and stuff. Went to the wet market to grab some stuff. And uh, I was walking around the market. I'm checking out stuff. And I go through the curtains in the back and I stepped out onto like basically a basketball court, you know, with a bunch of people playing on Sunday after church. old guys, young guys, you know, shooting, uh, playing, uh, running up and down the court, shooting baskets and stuff. Just, uh, and, and a crowd of people watching, you know, how much they loved it. It was just the tiniest little town. And, you know, in the middle of it, just a pickup game. And then uh, on my flight home, uh, I sat next to uh, uh, God. What's his last name? His name is Prince. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Prince uh, He was a he was a star at Texas University of Texas. And uh, he was on the flight, and I was like, "Damn, this guy's like six foot ten. I was like, "Gotta be a basketball player." Went up to him and asked him. I'm like, I I, 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 are you a basketball player?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm playing in the uh, Philippines league," uh, and. Uh, uh, you know how uh, how uh, he he was enjoying playing here and enjoying the culture. Him and his wife and his they had a little like a two year old boy, and uh, they were he was sat on the flight uh, a couple seats in front of me on the way home.
1: I got to yeah. go, guys, but I want to ask two one more question. Yeah, uh, and I got to go to work. I apologize to be abrupt, but since you've gone over there, have you gone yeah. to the site of Ile Frazier Three? No. Wasn't that Thrilla Was in yeah, and Manila? Yeah, Thrilla yeah. in Manila. I've
5: been to Manila. I, I haven't gone to the, the site, but at next time I'm there, I'm going to have to go. All
2: right. Well, yeah. next time you're there, uh, make sure you bring your computer and do a live report from the yeah. Thrilla in Manila. I will. We're, uh, <laughs> do we're your close, on, voice.
5: close on buying our little... Ocean front yeah, and, nice, uh, super excited, nice. Yeah.
2: Well, listen, everyone, we will be back here next week after the Bears Vikings game Monday night. after That's we get we'll a win, be- damn it, Tuesday night. <laughs> and if we don't, we will all be talking about the firing that would have happened earlier today. <laughs> so, uh, count on that. Um, for Dan Aguirre, uh, for Johnny Santucci, I'm all the Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye
1: bye. Bye, John.